Alright, I'm sick of all the problems in the world. The way to deal with them is obvious. I'll conquer everything. Sir, while I have no objection to you conquering the world, have you thought about the best way to do it? Why, that's obvious. I'll create a military no one can beat, smash everyone who tries to oppose me into the dirt. I'll pay for it by taxing all of my subjects for all that they've got. If I do it with a smile on my face while making speeches about all the good I'm doing, it can't fail no matter how long it takes. Sir, is that really such a good idea? People don't like a bully, so if you just beat down everything in your way, you'll never win the popularity contest. Plus, sir, you realize that taxing people means you're no better than the governments they've already got, don't you? Because smiling while making speeches plays well in most of the world, we've got to accept that there are places which won't buy it. Unless you want to be thrown out on the first freighter, you'd better learn how to frown and scream at people, too. One more thing, sir. You really want to move fast, or people will get bored and angry that you're sitting around doing nothing new. It happens all the time, and world conquerors have got to keep moving. Oh gosh, you're absolutely right. I guess I'll have to use a small army so no one thinks it's too threatening. Pay for it by winning the lottery so my subjects don't get angry, say whatever works in certain spots and hope no one is listening somewhere else. And do it so fast that we don't have time to change plans. My plan for world conquest is still sound though. Mom, are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack, where we talk about your favorite computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up to yesteryear. As that fancy voice just said, I am Phil Willis and this is... Mike and we're here today. We're number show number one twelve. You're a real ogre. We're gonna be talking about a couple of ogre battle games and maybe some uh, some other games in our blast from the recent past section. We'll see about that. To help us out, to help us with this battle of words, we've got some friends with us tonight. We have Mr. John Stringer. Hello, hello. One of my favorite games series. He's so excited. He's just I am excited. His wife's even got the Ogre Battle shirt on. That's right. So that's how that's how cool you know this game is. I would wear I mine would for but mine's in the, the dirty laundry. Because you wore it so much. John, I think you are very, very qualified <laughs> to talk about this. I found it on eBay and I couldn't believe my eyes. I was just looking for Ogre Battle stuff and they had a shirt on there, so. 
Awesome. And we, well, let's see here. Let me just take a look real fast. Da, 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 da. And eBay says, ah, you can get one. You can get your own Ogre Bell t-shirt for not too much, huh? Uh, they're back on there now? They were gone for a while. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you have to take a look. This one just came up, and I can't tell if it's on the huge. Anyways, Mr. Michael Baker. <laughs> Hello. How you doing, Mr. Mike? Pretty good, pretty yeah. good. So as surviving the plague over here. Oh yeah, the plague's going around, isn't it? Uh-huh. Struck somebody I know today. Terrible. I've got a few absences today because the students have flu. Mm, that plague is terrible it's stuff. The season. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't know anybody in the southern hemisphere. Maybe it's not prevalent there. Now, as good as all these guys are, there's one that stands heads and shoulders above the rest. One whose knowledge encompasses the entirety of the internet and then some. Mr. Nathan Schlothen. <laughs> he's so stunned by his introduction he can't come on no he's yeah he's breaking up you have we have to give him a second ah he's having some technical you, difficulties that's right after that big build up too yeah you can yeah, you built him up and then that he's kind of yeah crash and burn no him no there. no this is skype undercutting him skype refuses to have such a knowledgeable expert on tonight yeah skype refuses yeah, no. to have competition only skype can know everything it wants a monopoly on omni intelligence omni knowledge Omni something. Anywho, hmm. Looks like he can't make it. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Anyways, the reason why I think he's so awesome is because he he taught me how to import strangers on the internet into my town and uh, and uh, what's this game called again? Bravely Default. Yay! So now my town, my my Facebook like town can grow faster. Hang up and call him back again. So okay. Maybe that'll yeah, do I can the job. do that. We love, we like hanging up on people on the RPG backtrack. It's what we live for. Hang them up. Call them back again Especially if you feel like it. Especially when we're trying to, to make Skype work right. For Nathan, we'll gladly call him back again. But for John and Michael, they can only wonder if they get dropped from the call, will Phil call them back again? Hmm, they didn't really tell Phil how to fix his problem with the game. But Nathan, hey, Nathan. Right. <laughs> hey, Nathan. Hello. So, so I, you heard what I said okay, to, no, no. to everybody else? Did you hear your introduction? Tell, uh, tell me it wasn't no. wasted. It was wasted. <laughs> oh, man, Nathan. You have to go back and listen to the recording now. Long story short, you're totally awesome. You're better than everybody else on the show put together. And if anybody <laughs> disagrees with you today, it's too bad you're right on everything. I will accept it. All right. All right. So while uh, Nathan is going to try to figure out a way to get his head through the door now, we're going to take a little break and be right back with our main event.
that we've returned. This is the main event. This is where we pick a show or two. Show or two. <laughs> we pick a game or two. We really focus in on them, give you the real meat behind those games so you can know whether or not you want to go back and play them. And we are kicking this one off with Ogre Battle, The March of the Black Queen. This was uh, developed by Quest, published in North America by Enix. You remember before they had the square slapped in front. This was released on March 12th, 1993. Got a really awesome story about that. Uh, this is a real-time tactical strategy RPG for your SNES system coming to you on a 12 megabit cartridge. It's later released on... Only 12? Only 12 megabits, which is like one and a half megabytes. Um, <laughs> this is also on the uh, PlayStation and the Virtual Console. And maybe, maybe not on the PC through illegal emulation. All right, so... I think it was also on the Saturn. <laughs> it's only, Saturn. Only, yeah, only Japan. Uh, there you go. Like that. So all I can tell you is that all I can tell you is that I'll, I'll just kick this off by saying, "OMG!" When this came, when this first came out, this was about I want to say I won't say which birthday because I'll give away my age, but just a few weeks before my birthday, one of my younger birthdays, where I you know, and I and I had some money in my pocket, and I just looked at the front of the box. It looked cool. All these people fighting each other. I looked at the back of the box. Just you know. Just, just looks so cool. Tarot cards, big armies clashing together, a real-time strategy type of thing. So, uh, got it. And I knew immediately I made a good choice when I opened up the box. And on top of this nice, thick instruction book, which is the first indication that you got a nice, meaty RPG, it's when you got a thick instruction book. But then you got this big fold-out poster showing you all the different classes and the requirements for them. And you're like, oh, I have arrived. I I just have arrived. I've got like a kajillion classes on here. I just had an orgasm. This is great. It's beautiful. Brought a tear to my eye and and was just absolutely worth every penny, even though I never actually beat the game. (laughs) What was interesting for me is uh, my local Blockbuster had a copy of this somehow. And I I knew my friend would actually go rent it and then play it over the weekend and rent it again the next weekend and hope someone else hadn't gotten it and our save is still there. Was it still there? Yeah, most of the time it was. And then we got, to, I think, one point we... Most just, of the time? Yeah, we, I rented the same several times <laughs> and beat it a few times. That did that one time that it came back that it was deleted, did you yell out, God! Did you do that? Actually, there's one time where I got it on a Thursday and beat it by Monday. Wow. We just kind of played it straight. Whew. Yeah, I missed the days so I could be that today to enjoy game. <laughs> that was back in middle school. Yeah, late middle school, early high school. So, um, who wants to kick this off by talking about the very deep story of Ogre Battle of the March of the Black Queen? Because I really didn't care about the story. I only care about the fighting. <laughs> well, it isn't a very story-heavy game, but uh, basically some of the old, uh, old hero warriors, I guess a couple of them turned evil. Uh, Rashidi, this wizard, and he... I guess kind of charmed uh, the empress of uh, one of the empires and there's several kingdoms and she basically took her kingdom and conquered all the others and became the uh, what is it the Zetaginian Empire the Zenobian Empire Zenobia was her name and Zetaginian was the king no Zenobia is the the king you're the rebels from Zenobia the Zetaginian Empire uh, was by Empress Endora was her name Basically, oh, okay. you're the Zenobians, yeah. Uh, like, Lons is a Zenobian. But the Zenobian kingdom is where you start, and uh, you, I guess, start a rebel faction. And uh, you recruit some special characters along the way. You uh, basically start liberating uh, different kingdoms and cities and uh, areas on your way to reconquer uh, the land. And uh, 
you eventually, you know, uh, finally clash with Indora, and then really the real evil guy, Rashidi the Wizard, and uh, you kind of uh, also uh, recruit some of the old heroes like the Dragoons and, and such back into your army. Uh, there is a lot of different endings, though, so the story can change depending on uh, your actions during the game. I think there's eight different endings, if I'm not mistaken. There including where including 12, maybe this. are trying to plot against you because you turn out to be a worse ruler than the Empress. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that an ending that's in which you actually get possessed by a demon and become a terrible ruler? They begin a new dark age in all of the world or something? Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the bad ones when you recruit Galf. Oh, no, you maybe when you recruit Galf, I think, don't you, you like, give him the empire and then the, basically the devil takes over? Something like that. Yeah. Okay, I'll admit now I've not actually played too much of this one. I'm more here for Ogreball 64. Uh, okay. So the story's not my strong suit. So yeah, other than that, um, you just basically re recruit guys along the way, conquer towns, uh, get a bunch of different special items um, that you need to unlock, uh, like the Brunhild Sword's a major quest item that the Dragoon Knight Finral left on Earth for the humans, and uh, once you get that, you can recruit a lot of the good characters and uh, all the three of the Dragoons, who are like kind of gods now, who were uh, fierce warriors back in the, the uh, original Islands. Fight. Yeah, the Sky Islands. They, they, they are floating uh, Sky Islands in the sky. So, yeah, so the game has a very wide range of battlefields. Some of them get really big. I remember the last the last battlefield. I think it was huge. Yeah, was that it? one, City of Milano, is big, too. Yeah, there was, yeah was, was Xanadu was the one where you, you couldn't conquer any towns in that area or else your, your popularity rating would keep going down. No, you can. That's the one where it starts where you have to conquer them with low alignment units. Mm. And that'll make her popular. If you conquer them with high alignment units like you did for the majority of the game before that, then your alignment would go down, or your reputation. All right, you had to... But I think we... I, I didn't understand that part about 15 years ago, and so I actually <laughs> beat that level without conquering anything. Oh, wow. And, and, and here, boys and girls, we're going to we're gonna just get this out on the table right now. See, back when Phil was your age and had to play this game on Super Nintendo cartridge back in 1993, um, and we didn't have this fancy thing called the internet unless you were really rich and had a well and even they didn't have any information about ogre battle you just had to figure all this crap out for yourself and and you didn't figure half of it out you just kind of or yeah or you could buy the guide yeah or you could, i had a friend a friend the had the guide and he lent it to me oh that would have been nice to have um yeah. for me the guide was more of the ogre battle 64 approach but no i couldn't figure out anything then a friend let me borrow the guide and it's like oh this makes sense the problem, the problem, with, the, the problem is that even knowing what to do sometimes it's tricky yeah <laughs> the problem with the ogre battle 64 the physical guide is it sucks they're wrong in a lot of it you actually have to go online Line to, to, yeah, that's because also true. It, and so is there's a lot of errors in the uh, the Super Nintendo guide as well, but it's much better than the Ogre Battle 64 guide. And so yeah, the Ogre Battle 64 guide doesn't even pretend to cover more than one route for the game, too. And, it, and yeah, and it doesn't talk about reputation much at all. And as Mr. Minky knows from a certain distaste I have for a certain DS game that does about as great of a job of explaining its classes and mechanics, Phil doesn't like it when you don't clearly explain the mechanics in a tactical strategy game, especially much less an RPG. Yeah, that makes Phil a little cranky. But then when I got to play this game later on um, with the game facts in hand, it was a little bit more. But you know, the funny thing was, is even though it had this, normally that for me would be a deal breaker because I'm really pissy about, you know, having the rules not explained to me. But this game was just so much fun. 
It didn't, it, you know, this was one of those rare instances where it didn't rob the pleasure of the game from me because I just kept, I would just start it over and kind of figure some more things out on the next playthrough and the next playthrough. Um, but I was just so well, fascinated geez, with the game itself. It was it was a blast. Particularly for the time, but even now, this is a deep, deep, deep game. Deep, It's just, yeah. and, it, and oh boy, jeez. Anyways, let, let's, let, we'll, we'll save our praises for the end after we actually explain what it is we're so happy about. Um, Scratches that micromanager's itch. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, we talked a bit about and in a game where you don't actually directly control the combat, that's astonishing. Oh, we'll, we'll yeah. get to that in a second. So is, we we done this. We kind of laid out the story. Do, do you, we want to talk about any notable characters? Um, the recruitable ones. There's a huge list. But yeah. but which ones stick out in your mind as memorable? Well, the, I mean, okay, I'll say Lon sticks out as memorable just because you know he's a major. He's like the very first guy you recruit. He's a major character in Tactics Over. So yeah, Lon's is a good one. Uh, Warren, you kind of he's kind of like your mentor, and he starts you off. Uh, Prince Tristan's a big one that you have to find, and he's required to get the best ending. He's the uh, the old Zenobian prince that they thought was dead, but they kind of uh, uh, whenever they conquered, they uh, hit him away. Way as a baby, and you can find him and recruit him. Um, uh, I guess he's probably the biggest one. Uh, Debonair is one of the big generals, one of the four generals of the enemy, and uh, he joins you, and you also uh, repeats and comes back in uh, Ogre Battle 64. And then you have Catapus is another big one. He's uh, one of your main characters in Tactics Ogre as well. Yeah, you the get him main early. guy who... Yeah. Okay, the thing about Canopus I need to mention now is that I did not play too much of this game simply because the quest to recruit him was kind of annoying because of interface <laughs> issue. I, it's like in this one mission, you kind of go all over the map multiple times in order to slowly unravel the truth of what's going on with him, what's going on with the guy he's fighting against, even though they're friends. And like, basically, you have to go meet his sister and says, like, will yeah. you help me? And then I, while I, trying to scroll a text, I accidentally said no, which ruined the entire thing in like an hour's worth of work. It's like, <laughs> oh, come on. I, I hate this. <laughs> okay, so my very first thing I need to say about this game, the interface is kind of bad. There's this wonderful game behind it, but the way you, the interface for controlling it is just kind of bad and poor sign of its time. So, well, uh, okay, so everyone's got characters off their chest. Any other, uh, just before we move on from that little subsection, so anybody else that jumped out or is everyone done with characters? I think it's I think the... actually the name, the name of the kingdom is Zenobia because it has some very interesting historical connections. Okay. Yeah, Zenobia is the name of a princess who rebelled against the Roman Empire at one point. It was pretty successful. Successfully rebelled against the Roman Empire and reconquered yes. part of Egypt. Yep. And executed a couple governors. Well, that'll work. Yeah, so one of the few really successful revol- um, revolts against the Roman um, Empire. Okay. All right. So who feels like they want to take a first crack at explaining the gameplay well let me know before we do the gameplay character creation because you do get some part to play in creating the main character yeah the main character is customizable i mean eventually this person will show up in overall 64 under the name destin as a male hero but you could that's not said at all you name this character you can choose male or female both look kind of similar with long red hair either way but really a sword but you also at the game intro the beginning of the game the the sage warren will ask, give you a bunch of tarot cards and you get to pick from them and for each one he'll ask you a question which are kind of roundabout stuff like you know someone gives you a sword what do you do with it <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> on the eve of battle who are you thinking about yeah stuff like that They're really kind of vague and based off of what questions he asks which are random and how you answer it 
it determines your stat in a way which honestly doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And then, but, and then yeah, you, do, you, you do what Phil does and you hit the reset button and you try again to get what the hell you wanted. Sorry, slipped out. Well, it kind of sets you off into a low, medium, or high alignment. And the one you want is the the character that'll give you three attacks in the front row. It's the most powerful. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Three attacks. <laughs> that's all I cared about. <laughs> Um, okay, and um, yeah, I agree oh, with... The, these questions at the start of the game. I agree. Yeah, this reminds me of Longer's here, of all things. <laughs> which, and I can't even remember if that was in the first one, which is the only one you played, right, John? Yes, the first one, War Song. So, I agree with Nathan, as I always will on this podcast, um, today, uh, <laughs> that it was confusing, or as far as seeing exactly how my answers were going to pay, pay off and what character I became. So, if I didn't answer, if I didn't get what I wanted, I just re- re-rolled, essentially. Yeah. But I did think the tarot cards were pretty. I remember that's kind of the first time you see some tarot cards as they pick them out and stuff. I thought that was kind of a cool animation. Um, okay, so then you, you know, without a whole lot of... Um, um, Without a whole lot of hand-holding or fanfare or whatever, you immediately find yourself into the first map. A little bit of a tutorial is given to you as far as how the gameplay works. So who wants to talk about the very unique and fun gameplay of Ogre Battle? I guess I can. Um, and if people want to chime in, jump in. Um, yeah, you, you don't control individual characters like in most RPGs. And this is more of a, a real-time strategy RPG where you you can create units of three to five characters usually, depending on uh, uh, the size. Yeah, and uh, there's a front row and a back row. And each character, every time they meet up in battle, will have a certain amount of attacks and certain types of attacks depending on if they're in the front row or the back row. Like a wizard in the back row will shoot spells. In the front row, you'll hit them with the staff. Uh, such as you know, stuff like that, but uh, you basically you you fill in your units, say you know knights and fighters in the front row, wizards and clerics in the back row, and when you encounter an enemy, you each, each unit, depending on their agility rating, will start first. Will uh, have a certain amount of attacks per encounter. So once all the attacks are done, if they're if both units have not killed each other yet, totally killed each other, uh, it'll decide the winner based on who did more damage and uh the loser will get knocked back uh, a certain bit on the map and um you have control of them again so it doesn't actually finish until someone's dead necessarily if you happen to kill another unit or your unit is killed uh then the battle immediately end even if there are still attacks available uh but you move them around the the units around on a map and they move around real time and you're the goal is to liberate towns uh, which are, you know, towns that are controlled by the uh, the evil empire, basically. And uh, you knock out all of their units with your units and approach their uh, main boss castle and uh, engage the main boss of the uh, of the map. Uh, the main boss is a little bit unique that you have to actually have to kill them to win. Can't knock the main boss uh, off their spot. So even if you did more damage than them, you still lose that battle until you have killed him. Um Alignment. Well, that's that's how the 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 battle and combat works. Anything you guys want to add? No, I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. No, but I don't. Well, maybe, maybe not. But I'll tell you that you know, originally that this kind of sounds a little off-putting. I, I don't know about you guys, but I hate it when the computer controls my characters. I hated in Dragon Quest Four when I got it on the NES, and the you know, you played all the individual heroes, and then when you finally get them all together, oh, all of a sudden it's controlled by AI. Bugger! But in yeah. this game, it totally makes sense because you're not just controlling one party. You literally have got dozens of adventurers out there on the field in these small groups. 
groups and by having the AI control it moves fast but you can you know you can sit there and and give them directions and the such um, as they go through so um, you can you can you can set the tactics right yeah that's basically you can almost really know which character is going to attack who based on positioning and uh, your strategy you have four different ones you can pick best leader strong or weak uh, picking best I think is the one that'll do the most damage to uh, leader obviously attacks their leader because the leader dies. They you have no control over the unit and they just slowly walk uh, go back to their home base. And then strong will attack the character at the highest hit points, and weak will attack the character with the lowest hit points. Uh, back row magic users can basically hit anyone. Um, front row guys have to hit the front row first. If there's a guy covering them, there's not a guy covering them. They can hit the open backspace or uh, one of the other people on the front row. Uh, there's a bunch of different little rules regarding who can attack who as far as the physical front row attackers. But uh, once you start playing it a little bit, you can kind of you, you'll get an idea of who's going to attack who and when, and based on the strategy you pick. So while you're not directly saying okay, attack this guy by what strategy you're picking, you can almost always know or tell who uh, is going to be attacked. So you do have more. Control than it seems, and 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 then on top of that, if you're in a battle where you're losing but you really need to win that battle, well, that's where the tarot cards come in. So you got some 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 ace, aces in your pocket that you can pull out, um, yep. which um, sometimes I use just to just not even because I really need to win that battle, but because I you know for the strategic aspect, but I'm trying to win a battle to raise someone's alignment or lower their alignment. And um, though that's kind of fun too, but um, you only get so many of those guys. You usually get one when what? You redeem a city or something like that for the first Every time. Every time you liberate a town, you get one. And, and if you have a, a Joker item, uh, you can use that, and it'll give you a card. Uh, another cool thing about when you liberate the cities and you draw a card, certain cards will give your units uh, uh, attribute boosts, or uh, it could change your reputation meter. Which we'll probably have to talk about reputation and alignment here in a minute. Um. Yeah, there's um, there's some small item management too, right? Yeah, a little bit. Each character can equip one item per, and usually it's some kind of either offensive or defensive type item that'll give them you know more physical defense, or it'll give them uh, you know plus strength or plus intelligence if it's a caster. And uh, that's it's very very uh, basic. You, Sometimes it'll evolve them. Yeah, and there's some um, there's yeah. kind of some strength and weaknesses going on, like certain units being strong or weak against other ones. Uh, not necessarily units, but elements. Elements, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. well, um, like high alignment will take less damage from light attacks. Low, wasn't that how it worked? Not necessarily. That's more of a... Uh, sun, sun card. The sun card would do massive damage to any low alignment characters. Yes, that that is true. The sun card does damage based on alignment. Uh, every alignment away from 100 or 99 or whatever, it'll do that much, da- or not necessarily that much, but it'll say if you're one alignment, you'll basically kill the character, where if you're at 80 alignment, it'll do a small percentage. So the the sun card is one of the few that does it by alignment. Uh, other and than it that, huh? it it hits your guys as well as the enemy. Yeah, this, yeah, the sun card is kind of unique in that way. I remember having a group that was, I mean, it had a werewolf in it, but everybody was still at a hundred alignment anyway somehow, mm-hmm. and so it was doing like two or three damage to all my guys, and it was doing a hundred to the enemy. Yeah. Yeah, that and uh, high alignment characters will fight better during the daytime hours, and uh, basically low alignment characters will fight better in nighttime hours. There's actually a day and night cycle during the battles, and every time it comes at noon again, you'll you'll get money. And uh, certain characters like werewolves will be a werewolf at night, and just a, a crappy human fighter during the day with only one attack. So there are some little little uh, little details like that you have to worry about. It's also fun because one of the early bosses is actually a werewolf, and so if you visit him during the day. He'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, the, you know, the boss guy's kind of out right now." 
<laughs> and he'll ask you to come back at night, and when it's nighttime, he's a lot more powerful. Yep. Mm. Plus, he can also affect your soldiers, which is an interesting bonus. Yeah, he could bite you on your guys if they died from his attack. Yeah, and and how many of you? Forward. How many of you like reloaded that battle again and again because you didn't get somebody Me. infected? Yeah, I did. Uh, I was just. Went I, I ended up with two werewolves. I put up the were tiger eventually. Yeah. yeah, you can. There's also you can recruit uh, neutral characters, like usually monsters. Uh, actually, always monsters. And if you certain areas of the map, if you move your units, they can say, "Oh, you've encountered a random uh, creature," and. Uh, you can persuade them to join your army. So that's a, a way to get things like, you know, devils, uh, raven men, werewolves, Grim. and gremlins, uh, dragons, and all that, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But uh, I guess we'll talk about one of the main unique systems, which is your reputation meter and uh, the alignment of the characters you started mentioning. Um, basically, uh, how well everyone receives you uh, is based on your reputation meter, and it's always showing up in the upper right corner of your screen. And it's one of the really uh, overriding factors in the game and something you got to manage always. Um, for most of the game, if you liberate, uh, take over towns uh, with high alignment units, your reputation will go up. If you take over towns with low alignment units, your reputation can go down. Um, you can the, also the theory lose... being that if you bring a whole bunch of troops who are, I don't know, known to be rapists and murderers into the yeah. towns, then the people will react as you might expect. Yeah. Much, you bring yeah. a bunch of good knights in. Oh, it's the you know the rescuing knights. Or oh, we just have more tyrants in the city, and your rep goes down. <laughs> Um, that's one way. There's other story-driven things, like uh, if you forgive a certain character, your reputation will go down. If you tell that werewolf guy that you'll be friends with him, I think he asked you to join his side, your, your reputation can go down. There's other things you can decide, and your reputation will go up. Uh, if you let a town get conquered after you liberated it, you'll get a, a pretty good reputation drop. Uh, certain tarot cards uh, will give you reputation increases. Uh, some will give you decreases. Um, that's basically the, the, the gist of it for the most part. Um, and then that coincides with you know altering your alignment. Uh, if you kill, if you have a, a one of your characters kills another character, uh, it does it'll basically do an alignment check to see if your alignment's going to get changed. If you are higher level than them, I think by two or three levels, uh, you have a chance for your alignment to go down. If you are lower than them, you have a chance for your alignment to go up. If you if your character is currently a higher alignment than the enemy it killed, I think by a certain margin, then your character's alignment will go up. And if it's lower than theirs, it can go down. So that being said, it's kind of hard to keep a neutral alignment. Once you start going to an extreme, it's much easier to get to that extreme. As in, because your most other characters and what, and will what be. What happens if yeah, you, if the character that does the killing is about the same level as the one that kills? Nothing. Oh. Then it'll it'll look at only alignment so basically maybe if you killed a a much you know a ghost who are always uh, alignment zero but they are like five levels below you you probably won't get a change but a good way to get your alignment up is to go killing undead which they all have zero alignment so you can boost all your your guys alignment to make them like the good guys I, I remember having one that one team with a werewolf, a griffin, and a magician, and I just used them as a like a blitzkrieg group. <laughs> they would rush in, they'd take out something, and then I'd move in on my other guys to hold the position. And while they moved out, and they ended up consistently being five levels below everything else in any level as soon as it's the it began. But they ended up at they. Sh- I mean, they should have gotten up to, like, 200 alignment by the end of it, just the way I was using them. <laughs> yeah, uh... Max is out at 100, but they never went below 90 at any point in the game after, like, fifth, ba- fifth map. 
Mm. You, you have to do a lot of, you can't just send your guys out and fight if you want to actually control your alignment. Uh, a strategy I will use is you'll, you'll find certain choke points in the map where most of your battles will occur. So I'll stick a low alignment or two units there, and I'll stick a high alignment or two units there. And then depending on who's about to attack them, I look at the enemy and say, oh, this is a bunch of low alignment characters. I'll fight them with my high alignment group. You know, it's a bunch of uh, priests and knights and stuff. I'm going to send them out a low alignment unit at the, to attack them so that I can, you know, better control uh, my guys alignments um and your alignment is is actually crucial besides just your reputation as it, it'll affect which classes you can uh your characters can be uh, a ninja can't be a high alignment character whereas a paladin you can't rec uh, recruit or sorry not recruit but change class and promote into a paladin unless you have 70 alignment or higher so if you're you know you're doing a bunch of evil stuff you're going to be uh, a, a ninja or a beast master but not a, a knight paladin or samurai or something along those lines and uh so there's very some very strict and some very loose uh, alignment requirements uh, to recruit or to uh, promote some of your characters. Yeah, I didn't really pay much attention to that. I just had a large enough army that I had some people on one end, some people on the other end, and I managed to get every single class in the game. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, I, I kind of struggled a little bit with, I mentioned uh, before we recorded, with the wizards, maybe one or two other ones where the alignment requirement was like. 10 to 50 so you couldn't 10 to 35 yeah, yeah or 10 to 35 so you couldn't let it drop below 10 but like you mentioned before once you start heading in that direction especially the, the lower you get the faster it tumbles and i would mm. i would quickly you know i would quickly find myself at the wrong end of that formula and and be struggling to try to get it above 10 again yeah, that's one of the the wizards getting him because like a ninja just has to be zero to thirty or zero to thirty five. That wizard, that ten ten alignment uh, floor is actually one of the more difficult things to above trying to because you want to hurry up and get them you know high level so their alignment won't go up and beat up on people. Yeah, you don't want it to get too low before you can promote them to a mage. So uh, that was always a difficult line to how, to kind of straddle. How does uh, how does charisma work? Because I believe didn't some of the the promotions have a charisma requirement? Most of them do, and as long as your characters aren't getting killed all the time and you're not uh, retreating from battle, your charisma is always going to be high. Uh. And it's usually only early, early on uh, if you've maybe let that character die a couple times. That charisma is a fact. Or a new recruit, say you just went and recruited them, they usually start with some low charisma until they kill a few units, but it's basically kind of like their confidence rating. And towards the end of the game, it's not even, or even after the first few battles, it's not really usually a, much of a factor unless you're, you're really struggling and getting killed a lot. Interesting. All right. Uh, um, okay, go ahead. I, I guess a few other things. One of the drawbacks to me in this game, as opposed to its sequel, Ogre Battle 64, that we're going to talk about, is uh, the female character class trees, which there aren't very many. I think you start off as an Amazon, and you can become a witch for low alignment, and the witch is eh, limited usefulness, I think. Or you can be a Valkyrie or a cleric. Uh, Valkyries are very powerful. Clerics are, are, are the only healers available to you, or for the most part, the only healers. And that's really about it. Whereas the male classes can become you know, knights, ninjas, berserkers, beastmasters, uh, wizards, um, uh, samurai. So they have a ton of choices you can be where the women don't have a lot. Ogre Battle 64, as we'll talk about, adds a bunch of classes that this one doesn't have. So basically all your female characters are going to be for the mo you know for the most part valkyries and muses and a couple clerics in there I think we should mention at the very least, since his name hasn't come up yet, that this is an early Yasumi Matsuno project. Yeah, it's one of his first. And considering how he's one of the few developers who people actually are familiar with instantly, that seems important. I know I can never remember his name personally, but okay. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh yeah, the Final Fantasy Tactics guy. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, and the guy who left Final Fantasy twelve after apparently he had a, what did Square Enix call it? Uh, a work a stress related illness. Something like that. And you know what? All the good most of what I can see in Final Fantasy twelve that was good came from him, so kudos to him. And you definitely don't see this type of design in many other Japanese role-playing stuff. No, it's very... I think the only other game that's kind of like it is Disciples. Uh, it's a PC RPG. Actually, um, I'm playing a game right now that has similar gameplay to Ogre Battle, at least in the way that you direct characters across a very large world map. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the same rate of action as Ogre Battle, so it's actually kind of a snooze. Uh, <laughs> what system? PlayStation. There's a PS2 game that does it as well. Uh, Chaos Wars, I believe. Yeah. Ah, you, you've brought Idea Factory into the conversation. No! <laughs> Wait, is it Chaos Wars or is it... Um, I think it's Chaos Wars. Or is it, there's another one. The game I'm playing is called Favorite Deer. And huh. it's... it's um, you play as an angel who's basically managing a group of heroes trying to save the world. And so you, I've got six heroes running around... And or running around when they let me tell them where to go, but um, there aren't enough. The quests aren't showing up often enough to make it really interesting. I'm wrong. I think it's Soul Nomad. That's like over about executed before I recruited her. That was always that was fun. Um, yeah. I believe it's Soul Nomad, not not Chaos Wars. I might have been mistaken. You played Soul Nomad, Phil. What was that structured anything like Ogre Battle? Uh, you know that 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 we kind of talked about before. <laughs> But um, just to recap, for those of you who haven't listened to that backtrack, I'll go. Uh, you know, I go a little bit more into detail in it there. But uh, um, Soul Nomad definitely, you know, it kind of has that ogre battlefield in the fact that you're commanding numerous armies on a battlefield, um, and that was my primary reason to be excited. But in actual execution, it leans much more heavily on the um, uh, what's the name of the company that makes that series. NIS. Thank you. Yeah. It relies much more on the whole NIS idea of grinding your characters um, in order to break the rules type of thing than it than it involves a lot of tactical thinking and planning. Um, yeah, it, it felt at the end of the day, it felt more like a, a Disgaea game, albeit with a lot more characters. But each classroom or each each group of uh, heroes feeling more like one Disgaea character almost to me, in a manner of speaking. But it, yeah, when the battles play out, it kind of reminds you definitely of Ogre Battle. It's just doesn't quite hit that note. Yeah, and it's one of those I got in anticipation to play it. I never got around to it. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell from my voice I was a little dis- uh, disappointed. I need to go back and give it a second college try and actually get through it. But I had spent a good two dozen or so hours. So it wasn't something I just, you know, did one or two battles and go, oh my gosh, this isn't an ogre battle. It, it was something that not only did I get the, oh, this isn't kind of the ogre battle I was kind of thinking it was, um, hoping, I should say. But I, I just felt the, the execution was a little too much on the NIS side of things. Things. Um, and I got a little frustrated where my tactics wasn't mattering nearly as much as, let's say, my levels or whatever, uh, my attributes and things like that. Whereas in Ogre Battle, I, I just felt I was thinking my way through every single situation. And even when you overpowered the enemy in Ogre Battle, even if your levels are really high or whatever, um, you were constantly be thinking out every single encounter ahead of time because you are considering that impact to your reputation or your character's alignments uh, and that sort of thing. So that's what I loved about Ogre Battle. Yeah, so much micromanaging that and 
making sure your characters are right. And then the other fun of Ogre Battle is just all the different unit possibilities. You, there's almost an infinite number of different types of units you can put together with three to five characters, depending, you know, because like dragons and giants and hellhounds and monster type creatures take up two spots where a human smaller type uh, character will take up uh, one spot and a human type character has to be the leader. So you could have one human and or one human type and two dragons or you could have uh, three humans and one hellhound or something like that and or five humans. So uh, you can there's so many different uh, unit possibilities and obviously some are more powerful than others. Uh, the two most powerful classes are the lich. Uh, which is a male human mage that you have to get an undead staff, which will turn into a sorcerer. The sorcerer will do two full magic attacks against the entire enemy unit. And then you get an undead ring, will turn him into a lich, and they get three full enemy uh, uh, group attack, uh, magic attacks, which basically a lich and some other characters, you almost, it's rare to actually get to your third one, to be honest, because you'll wipe them out. It's as awesome uh, as it sounds, boys and girls. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. What's even more really? awesome. It's the final boss. Yeah. What's even more awesome is a princess. Uh, you get a crown. There's a few spots in the game where you'll get a crown, and you can also randomly get it after killing enemies. Sometimes you'll kill an enemy, and you'll just get a randomly awesome, awesome item. And a, a, a princess crown is, or a dream crown is one of them, and uh, you use it on a Amazon, and they turn into a princess. Well, a princess, if she's the leader of the group, gives every unit in that group one extra attack per uh, encounter, which is obviously broken. And she herself gets a full unit uh, holy attack, which is rare only a few characters actually get a holy attack that it basically and she did she does it twice now so she's the leader so say like put two liches with her and you'll get you know, a princess uh, and two liches ever uh, i mean this is a match made in heaven or hell you decide but it kicks ass that sounds like a bar joke yeah yeah princess two liches and two dragoons in the front and you you'll be able to fight forever you'll be able to wipe out anything before you even get half of your attacks in i think so you can really break the game if you so choose but you know what? Sometimes that's fun. Yeah, it's always fun. Everyone's got to try it once. Okay, what will happen if I do this? And let's see. And you can just go through a whole map and just destroy everything. Now, uh, on the on the converse side, what would be some of the worst classes to try and use? Oh well, the classes or or uh, uh, classes units. or or units. Since since humans can change class and monsters generally can't. Uh, well, for... um, the, the basic fairies. Those yeah. Things the... Yeah, they yeah. suck. They they only empower one. They'll they'll kiss a unit basically, and it makes them hit. Oh hit damn, man, they they do stink. One, uh, one of the F, one of the FAQs I used actually recommended get one fairy and use it as your team mascot and hope it eventually levels up <laughs> to the highest level where it learns this like hyper beam attack. Yeah, missile. Or, yeah, that, they come to Sylph. They're awesome. One, um, uses the cheerleader until it levels up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. there's just, there's just, uh, yeah, there's just so much depth to this game. I mean, we could, we just barely hit the the tip of the iceberg, uh, but it's, it's just absolutely Again, that, huge. That, some of that's probably Matsuno because the guy is not known for simple battle, uh, simple combat strategies that you can learn in an instant. Yeah. Some of the other crappy, you know, like the octopus is pretty bad. They're only really good if you're in the water. Um, and how many maps are have any sizable water? There's a few, but not enough to make them a bunch of them. Uh, but you know what? What it? Oh, go ahead. 
I was gonna say there was that entire area that was an archipelago. Yeah, that's uh, Castellation Sea. And there, yeah, that I don't know if you guys had touched on that, and I just missed it. But there, that was gonna be a cool thing is if depending on the composition of your group would also um, determine what kind of uh, land type it was. So if you had like two Griffins and a Beastmaster, that became a flying group at Boys and Girls, and that moves really fast, which can be very helpful on some of those larger boards where you need to get to some place really fast, or you need to get some backup to a team because you see some enemies streaming towards this one city that you only left one defender on. Um, oh, but real, real fun on some of the flying island levels. And flying island. <laughs> yeah. since, since, since only the flying groups could actually move off the island for combat, if you change the tactics for them to target the flying enemy in the enemy uh, in the enemy group, as soon as you took out that one enemy, even if you even if you ran away after that, that enemy would just plummet to their death. Yeah, if they're off the land, so you could knock them off the island, kill their flyer, and the, the enemy, the whole group would just disappear. <laughs> the, the way nature intended. Yeah. Yeah. And another, like yeah, a lot of dragons do, you know, mountain uh, movement, so they move fast in the mountains. Some guys will do force movement. I think like ninjas are the force movement. And then like the Raven Man and Hawkman and Eagle Man, they uh, they're low sky, so they'll fly, but they won't fly quite as fast as like the Griffins and the Wyverns do. Um, well, I'm trying to think of other crappy units too. Yeah, the, so that, that depends on how fast they move. Uh, other crappy units would be. Oh, let me think. Actually, the 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 uh, vampires suck. You have to get a special item to make them. You basically. Oh, John, you you just had to make that pun, didn't you? What? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was a pun. <laughs> <didn't it? laughs> but and they, they, they during the um, during the night. Yeah, during the night they they're pretty, they're decent. During the day they're in their coffin, so they just sit there and do nothing during the day. So they're they're not as strong as you'd hope they would be. So either um, you micromanage them all the time or just do without. Yeah. Yeah. Another crappy one is the evil one. It's basically the the low alignment counterpart to the knight or paladin. And the problem with them is that even promoted, they only get two attacks on the front, and they get two crappy fireball spells that your uh, you know early on wizards get in the back. And their intelligence is so low because they've been fighters the whole time. So while it, it's a good idea in theory, they basically just turn out to not being very effective in ogre battle. Not near as good as a ninja. Yeah, it's not a very well balanced character. I, I remember having one, and that was it. It was like, okay. It's all you need just to, to look at them. Oh, yeah, they're a unique art, but otherwise that they're, they're pretty worthless. <laughs> Unless you want to admire the artist's work, which, yeah, I can see doing pretty, that. Cause... Very pretty art. Yeah, I do. I love the, uh, the the character sprites and the art. The overall map uh, graphics are pretty poor and rudimentary, but the in battles, the characters themselves, and all the uh, all the sprite work is is uh, pretty top notch. I think. And again, this is a game that's now twenty one years old. That's pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess we talk about music. Music. Yep. Yep. Talk about music. I think the music's awesome. Music kicks ass. All right, we're done. Uh, <laughs> graphics. Um, graphics are awesome. Kick ass for the Super Nintendo done except yeah, all right this was easy this is great um because we had to spend all our time talking about you know the part that really the parts of the game that really matter i will tell you as far as music the song still stuck in my head to that day it is really that good i'm not just joking um and the graphics were absolutely fanabulous for and that's a new word fanabulous for their time so um but we're not gonna spend a lot of time on them because we do have other things to talk about and we spend a lot of time talking about it's the parts that do matter that we want to focus on so and i think sorry, we did I, them justice we did no i could talk about ogre battle all night long we, so we gotta stop we could because it, it really is a really super super awesome game so um and it's not and it's enough different enough from everything else that we actually have to spend this much time describing it because comparing it to other things is not a good way to describe this thing 
Yeah, there's there's really nothing else like it. There's nothing you can easily say, well, this game did it better, or this game did it worse, because no game, aside from maybe the other one we're going to talk about tonight, even even does anything like it. And it's a shame, because I love strategy games, and I love role-playing games. It's, this is peanut butter and jelly. Shoot. All right, all right John. I, I know you could talk about this game all night, but yeah. any final thoughts, things that we have ignored here or barely touched on so far that you really just got to get out there right now i'd say try it but realize it isn't gonna be for everyone it's kind of it's kind of a niche game yes it is it's for everybody <laughs> shut your mouth i would it's love to everybody, say it's for everyone okay not it's only everybody who wants to think while you're playing not only is this a game for absolutely everybody with a brain so take that for what it means what's worth to you but it's also worth 182 dollars on ebay now I'm telling you guys to rush out and get this right now. Now, I know some of you are going to say, but Phil, I could get it on uh, the Wii Virtual Console for probably like 10 or 15 bucks, or, you know, I can get the PlayStation version for, I don't know, 40 bucks. What is that running these days? Like 45, 45, 55 55 bucks, Phil? What? Super Famicom cartridge for 12. Yeah, yeah, the Super Famicom, absolutely. So, why would I want to spend 180 plus dollars for the Super Nintendo version in a box with the instructions that's clearly been open to use? Um, It's the because you want to reminisce to the times when Enix would print only 25,000 copies of a game for the North American market. Yeah, and, and holding that instruction book in your hand, priceless. Priceless, boys and girls. So go out and do it today. Uh, don't be a wimp and buy the virtual console version for 10, 15 bucks. Um, and, and don't... Prove that you've got money and disposable income. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Show it off. Um, Keep those eBay prices high. Actually, right. when I got mine, I think I got mine for like 90 They've just gone berserk when, in the past few years. Just and when was that? About two years ago. Just good deal. Boom. Just a just a quick footnote. I think um, when we talk about that, we didn't really touch on the different versions. There's there's not a lot of differences because they're pretty much just simulations, oh, yeah. uh, depending on which one you play. I don't remember. Did they not when they did the virtual console? Did they add any content that you guys know of? No, the virtual console is exactly the same as the Super Nintendo what? version. The only thing that's different is the PS1 port has some differences. Uh, the main differences being they well the, the Saturn port as well, the Japanese Saturn port. Uh, they the graphics are slightly better on the PS1. They updated, they updated some of the sprites and some of the animations uh, in battle. Uh, some of the little sprites, like the little, uh, not in battle, but the ones that, rep- you know, the little army characters, some of those are different as well. Uh, however, in the PS1 version, or another big important thing is your special characters keep their color. Basically, a special character will look like the other units, except they're, they have a, a unique color pattern. But in the Super Nintendo version, whenever you promoted them, they lose their color pattern and they become just like everyone else. In the PS1, you know, when you promote them, they keep their unique colors. So for those that like their special guys to look cool, uh, that, that's a plus. Uh, the PS1 version also will have a little bit of a load time in between battles. Uh, Phil couldn't stand it. Uh, but playing it on my PS3, it's only like two or three seconds at most per battle. So it's not too bad. Yeah, I don't. Um, I just I remember on the PlayStation One, I I because I enjoy the Super Nintendo version. Uh, the Ogre Battle for the PlayStation, I believe, it was like a collector's edition with little trinkets and stuff. Uh, I think I still have yeah, the tarot. I think I have, have tarot cards or something. I shouldn't have tarot. I had little stickers, I think. Uh, in there. I don't know. But anyways, um, I paid a, a, a ton of money for it, um, especially for what I made back in the day. And I just remember spending maybe getting through three of the boards or so before I was just totally beating my head on the wall on every time I touched an enemy, loading screen, loading, loading, loading. And I mean, you're just used to things clicking faster on the Super Nintendo version. Because like you mentioned before, it's every round of combat, basically, you're 
going to get separated and you're going to end up doing that again. And during the bigger battles where I have all 10 armies out and we're clashing, it could be a lot of fights in a small amount of time. So I, I don't know. I got to irritate. But on the PlayStation 3, you might have faster seek and load types, yeah. I'm sure. And uh, the only other small differences are uh, I think the AI is slightly updated on the PS1. I think the enemies fight a little bit. Uh, I think their AI, AI has been tweaked and they fight a little bit smarter. Uh, maybe it's just... Uh, I don't know if it's for real or not, but maybe I'm just imagining it, but I'm pretty sure they do. And uh, there's a problem with one of the units, the Cockatrice unit. It does a uh, petrify attack, and for whatever reason on the PS1 version, they must have made some kind of error, and it it only hit about 5% of the time, so it makes it pretty worthless. Where in Super Nintendo, it's a a fairly powerful uh, enemy type. Hmm. So you got a lot of different ways... um... I won't mention the way that I played it a couple of years ago because it may or may not be illegal in certain <laughs> counties. But um, PC emulate, go to it now. Um, don't listen to subliminal messages on the show, by the way. <laughs> Anywho, uh, but it, no matter how, however, you got to get your hands. Did you just say something? Phil? No, not I, I no. Swear that, I swear that a ghost just I, entered the air. Maybe I have no control. RP Gamer and its associates have no control over any ghost <laughs> that might enter the airwaves during the podcast. And our editing software is terrible at taking it out. Um, anywho, uh, well, however you got to get your hands on Ogre Battle, I'm just telling y'all, don't listen to what that other guy said. It is for everybody, okay? Every single person out there, even that three-year-old girl needs to play Ogre Battle. Do it now. It's awesome. So while you guys are out there purchasing your copies and, uh, and the such, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to talk to you about another Ogre Battle game that you may or may not absolutely positively need to own today. Turn with the main event, uh, part two. We're ready to talk about Ogre Battle 64. When I say we, I really mean these guys here because as soon as I do the official introductions, I'm jumping off and going to my Wii and downloading this because I just found out it's on the virtual con. I don't know how in the hell I missed this. I, I know it's been on there for years, Phil. How yeah. did you miss I, I, this? You know what? I, I, I will, as soon as I get the download started, I will play. I am calling up my Catholic priest to confess because this is a sin. <laughs> this is a, a, a travesty. Uh, you know i'll find one and um yeah because because i need to i need to repent of this sin oh my gosh this is terrible i mean good great awesome okay so whoo all right ogre battle ogre battle 64 this was developed by uh quest and dual corporation published here in north america by atlas and later released on the virtual console by our very best friends of square Enix. they're my best friends now this was uh released in north america originally on october 7th 2000 and then oh my god it's been like three years march 29 2010 four years oh my goodness on the virtual <laughs> console uh this is a single player real-time strategy rpg boys and girls this comes to you on a 320 megabit cartridge which is 40 megabytes on a nintendo 64 cartridge and um this right here was really the only reason outside of ocarina time to own 
a, a Nintendo 64. You may say Paper Mario, whatever. I, I didn't, you know, I'm telling you guys, this was it. Well, technically, I oh. never owned a Nintendo 64. It was one of my college roommates who had it just for Goldeneye. Uh-huh. And I would just go to the local video store and just rent stuff that looked interesting. And this is one of the few games that I actually played through, that in Ocarina of Time and Paper Mario. So, Which one did you play first? Did you play this one before the original Ogre Battle? Uh, no, I... Uh, I found some interesting and we shall not discuss it ways of playing the original Ogre Battle first. <laughs> a year a year before I had this particular roommate with this particular Nintendo sixty four. Gotcha. Yeah, I uh I'm an interesting Unfortunately the video rental store somehow lost their copy, I believe, before I could actually finish Ogre Battle sixty four. Oh! Never owned a Nintendo console since the since Super Nintendo. I've never had a chance to try it again. Uh see I uh I remember when this was, I was such a big fan of Ogre Battle in the 90s, and then I remember when this game was announced. I actually had it in 64, and uh, very disappointed in it because it hadn't hardly any RPGs. And uh, I remember. Well, come now. Quest 64 was for everyone. <laughs> I remember <laughs> when this game came out, my birthday is in October. On your and... own hand, and that includes two Zelda games. Yeah. <laughs> we got some problems here. Yeah, oh, come yeah. now. Uh, if, if we count the two Zelda games, then... Um, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, oh. Six. Okay, it takes two hands. <laughs> Barely. Okay. Right, right, and can we count the Super Robot Tyson game that never left Japan but is nevertheless on N64? Um, no, because we're talking about American market right now. But sure, if you want to, that means, okay, two fingers on the left hand. <laughs> see, see, see how much we can come up with for, to justify the N64 for RP Gamer? That's that's oh. better than um, the, the Virtual Boy right there. See, <laughs> better than the Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah, were there any RPGs for Virtual Boy? Uh, there was Jack Brothers, which isn't an RPG, but was the first SMT thing to leave Japan. I, I do have on my 3DS right now one of the few RPGs made for the Famicom Disk System. Which still probably had more RPGs than the N64. Actually, no, I think it's one of the few that didn't, because they took it out of production really fast, and a lot of the RPGs that they were planning to make for it ended up just for the regular <laughs> Super Nintendo, including Earthbound, I believe. So. Well, that ended up for the best, I'd say. Yeah, but that's also why Earthbound is one of the earliest RPGs to have, um, what's wrote here, um, like, copy protection. Nintendo is still doing it these days. Oh, yeah, but um, Earthbound was the one where if the game, if the game software uh, realized that you were emulating it in any way, um, it would let you play through the game, but it would increase all of the enemy levels ridiculously high, and then as soon as you got to the final boss, it would crash the game and delete your saves. Wow, that's... That's surprisingly nefarious for Nintendo. Oh, it wasn't Nintendo. It was the development. It was the developer, head developer. He dreamed that one up. Oh yeah, Sh- Shigesato Itoi, right? I believe so. The guy who only developed the Mother series. See, Phil's not here to keep you guys in line. He's over there downloading Ogre Battle '64 right now. <laughs> you guys are going off on a. Come Ogre on, Mario! Hello, come on, <laughs> jump faster! Damn you! You're so slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first thing, but the one thing I most clearly remember from this game after 13 or no, 14 years ago is the hamburger hat people. Oh, the little soldiers. Yeah, the, the little foot soldiers, because in this game, they decided to add a level below your basic foot, um, your basic soldier, and gave three of them, and they... I oh, this the little guys. guys. The enemy with their spear, little spear, da, 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 yeah. da. and um, as soon as you actually got them up, and like a level or two, two of them suddenly disappeared, or they merged together to form one actual yeah. halfway decent unit instead of what a trio of really crappy oh ones. i remember it did a cut scene and they all scream let's go voltron force yeah <laughs> oh well, that's that when was... you get them all together i'll form yeah. the legs 
Yeah, the uh, this basically for the gameplay wise, this game is exactly like Ogre Battle, but with some added things like the soldiers, and they also added a middle row, so you have a front, middle, and a back row, and, and they, they fleshed also... out the character, the, cl- the possible classes a lot as well. Oh yeah, they, they expanded. Like we were complaining about the uh, lack of female characters in the first game, they expanded that a bit. And I remember that um, like they added specific elements for each wizard or witch or sorceress. Yep. yep. And then if you had two like two sorceresses on the back row with different elements, they could actually do combination attacks. Yep, that was cool. They added the archer class. Mm-hmm. Um, they added uh, the phalanx, the big uh, the tank, basically soldier class. Mm-hmm. Uh, they and then the big thing is they added the uh, I don't know. I think it's a uh, mechanic they added, but wasn't all that successful. Was the centurion, basically where you, I think you could like stick a bunch of different units together as like one big unit that walked around together. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I think. It sounded good in theory, but in reality, I don't think it was as good as... Units acting individually? I I, I only played like half the game before I lost access to the cartridge, so I'm I'm not really familiar with that level. Well, in the middle point, you get a Centurion Classic and kind of band uh, a couple units together, and they walk around as like one big force, and then they fight that way. It's All that, I'm not sure. I think it, it sounded good in theory, but in practice, it didn't. It wasn't as cool as they thought. But other than that, the, I love the updated character classes that they they have. Uh, they got rid of the princess. Ah, um, uh, so, so she didn't inspire the whole unit to attack twice anymore. No, and uh, the lid you can only get one of, and it's really hard to do it. You have to get a bunch of certain items at a certain time, and so you can't just get randomly, you know, five liches on your team. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, there were a lot of like minor events that you could only get while visiting a certain town yep. in a certain area on a certain uh, range of days. Yep, and that's it. You had to get all the. Well, yeah. actually, that's the other big thing. You didn't just change classes depending on uh, level and uh, you know uh, alignment. While alignment's still here and it affects your classes, you also have to get the equipment for it. So each class can only you can only promote characters in a certain classes if you have the, the proper equipment for them, like a spear or a bow and arrow or uh, a certain armor, like you know, you needed a, a breastplate or something for a, a knight character. So you had to have enough pieces of equipment for each class to be able to promote in the class, whereas in the original Ogre Battle, you did not uh, fill out all this equipment. It just You just uh, promoted them whenever they met the requisite level and alignment. And how easy is it to find the equipment? For most of it, it's not too hard. For a, most of it, at a certain point in the story, you can just buy it. Uh, there's a few ch- times where you can get it off an enemy early and maybe have you know access to that unit maybe a couple level or a couple stages before you normally would be able to. But for the most part, they, that's why the, the you can only get one lich. You can only get one equipment set for it. I think there's and a few others. Is the lich as good as he was? Is he worth getting? I'm trying to recall. I sure he's worth getting. I think he's really powerful, but I don't think he's quite as dominant in the original. Aww. Uh, that I can't recall. Um, you mean we, you mean you can't have an auto win fighting team? Aww. No. There's uh there's only one werewolf in the game and you can't get him if you get some of these special characters. He's like the 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 bad route, basically one of the bad ending routes to get the uh the the werewolf. Um But you do have allies that show back up. You have the Destin, the main hero of the first one, will, can join you. 
uh, Debonair, the one of the generals in the first game that's really powerful can join you. Aisha, which is uh, one of the clerics. Uh, Gilbert, the one of the beast tamers you get early, which is Canopus's best friend. And I'm missing one. Who's the other one you can get? Saradin, uh, one of the powerful wizards. Uh, you get two special wizards in Ogre Battle Ones: Warren and Saradin. Warren goes on to the Tactics Ogre game storyline, and Saradin is uh, on this one. And uh, basically, story-wise, this is a direct sequel to Ogre Battle, uh, in a way. Um, it happens on a continent does, or, or a land. Does it suppose right that you got any particular ending in the first game, or does it just kind of yes, run the, with... The canon ending is the best ending uh, in the game. I Ooh. guess the, the world ending. And that's when Prince Tristan is the the king, the new king, and he sends some of these warriors up to help uh, up north for this uh, this struggle. In other words, the ending that was really, really hard to get. Yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, Magnus is your main character. You can't really choose, you know, uh, customize your character as much in this one. You have more of a story uh, specific guy. Uh, which is Magnus, and... Do you still get any tarot cards that help determine what he can do? I'm trying to think. I haven't played this one as recently as I... I, I remember it starts off with a duel between him and his rival, and depending on which yeah. choice you make right then, it helps determine which of the alignment paths you end up on like halfway through the game. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, with Dio, you fight with Dio. Uh, he's always kind of your hot-headed friend, and... Uh... And an early version of What's-His-Face from Final Fantasy Tactics... Who? Um, um, your rival slash friend who ends up becoming the king. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's I can't remember his name right now, but... Does his name also begin with a D, or...? Well, I don't That's know he's in Final R. Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. Well, a similar type of character. Oh, yeah, um, okay. I'm trying to think. Oh, this is... According to Wiki... I feel like I should share this. Matsuno said that the original Ogre Battle was partially inspired by listening to Queen's second album. Oh, yeah, the, all the... Uh, the, the games the game had name. a theme to their names. Yep. March of the Black Queen, Let Us Clean Together, and was a 64 yeah. game was Person of Lordly Caliber, which would be a, like a synonym for Queen. Yeah, the, the actually, the, Matsuno didn't uh, develop 64, and then mm-hmm. it didn't use a name. He, uh... Ryan, the Ryan C was also uh, in a Queen song. That's a battle in Ogre Battle One. Ogre Battle itself was a song name, I believe. Um, well, March of the Black Queen. Yeah, that's another. I'm trying to think of uh, who the. I know it's a prince. Your your main character's best friends with the prince, and the prince has some morality struggles throughout the game on what he should do. Phil, are you there, Phil? Yeah. Phil, stop, stop downloading. Hey, you know what's what's really funny, guys? The podcast goes along a lot better if the mute button's not actually turned on while I'm talking. Ah, so you've been talking this whole time. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. So what do you remember about that? That's his excuse. He's just been watching the download. It goes so slow. Oh, my gosh. It's only 40 megabits. Bite something. Come on. Jeez. Well then, then turn yourself away from the Wii and put your mouth somewhere in the right direction here. Okay. And now, um, what about? Oh, I'm trying to remember. 
the, one of the few other things I remember from this game was something called the Elempedra, like the elemental stones, and how ridiculously annoying they were to get if you didn't know how in the first place. Yeah, didn't you have to do those little training battles? And I think there was one where you had where there was this you ran into this boy in this one town who wanted a dog, and so if you found a Cerberus later in the game or a Hellhound, and you brought it back to him, yeah, backtracked back to him and gave it to him, then he would give you the Elempedra of Darkness. That's one of the few I remember, aside from the one that the game just gives you as part of the story. Hmm. And I can I can barely remember what how they were used even. Yeah, I'm trying to recall too. I remember they're in there. I know you could do those little training battles and get special items by defeating, and they're actually pretty tough. Um, like I said, this game I'm not as fresh on this game as I have been in some of my. Uh, I know it's Magnus, and you you. Well, as far as the story goes, he. Uh, He's in this military academy and he graduates and uh, soon he's turning the, there's a civil war happens and he joins one side the the rebellion side again with the help of some of the Zenobians and they're trying to you know fight social injustice and, uh, and the killing this, and persecution this takes place in a different region of the world than the first game as yeah, well yes north of uh, the Zenobian empire of the first and it's, and it's got some cross connections with Knight of Lotus on the Game Boy Advance, right? Did, did it have cross connections with that one? Oh, well, I thought I thought like there was some some very small story connections because the main character in Knight of Lotus is a Knight of Lotus, and that was a group within Ogre Battle sixty four. I thought. Yeah, I'm trying to recall. It may have some. Uh, it's enough, all in the same world, but yeah, enough to qualify Knight of Lotus as a guide in for Ogre Battle sixty four. But that's about all I remember. Well, no, Knight of Lotus is a prequel to Tactics Ogre because mm-hmm. uh, basically the main character Knight of Lotus is one of the antagonists in Tactics Ogre. That's okay. That that was the other part of the connection. I was yeah, to... it's more of a attack t- because uh, one of the main characters, uh, not you don't play as him, but in the game is uh, the main character in Knight of Lotus, and you actually don't know that until the very end. So it's kind of like surprise. <laughs> but it actually the happens. Only, the only reason we are not doing all the ogre games in one show is because that would be one mammoth mammoth show. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about in the tactics games. Well, they're awesome too in their own right. And, and plus, I mean, how many series can you think of where literally 50 percent? is a completely different genre of play. Yeah. On the one side, we have the pure tactical games, and the other side, we have the almost pure strategy games. And it's they're just two very, very different um, paradigms here. And all universally loved. Amazingly, considering, considering all the hate um, any given iteration of Final Fantasy gets for not varying too much on certain parts and varying too much on others. And then you have this game where it's, okay, this part and this part, and they're somehow connected. Mm-hmm. So. Obviously, if more people had played them, then they would have attained higher levels of popularity and more people would have come out and screamed, You suck now! I liked the first game, but you changed everything! You suck! Don't do that! So, Go back to the way it was! And so we'd have the real Zenobian Civil War on GameFAQs. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, uh, when, whenever that happens, it is a win-win. Yeah, you actually, you're fighting the, the Lotus Empire as the Empire in, in Ogre Battle 64, and they kind of take over your little kingdom, uh, Palatinus, if I'm saying that correctly, and then uh, you join, or something like that, and you join up against the Lotus Empire. And the Lotus Empire is kind of always this evil entity throughout most of the games after uh, the original. And, uh, I was going to say, how many games were there after that? Because three. I only know four games in the series. There's four, and then there's the Gaiden uh, on the the Gaiden on oh, what is it? The Wonder Swan. Oh, I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, you you think you think March of the Black Queen is expensive for Super Nintendo? You try finding any good RPGs on Wonder Swan for less than dollars. Or, or is it the Neo Geo it Pocket Color? It helps that one most of, of them are on something else by now, but. 
Uh, yeah, there was a Longrister game on Wonderswan. There's an game on Wonderswan too that I would love to get, but it's like eight thousand yen. It it actually costs more than the Wonderswan does at this point. I'm thinking though it might be a Neo Geo Pocket Color. It's on. It's on one of those two, and it's only in J Japanese. It's basically Tristan, Even Prince Tristan's story. Priced and incredibly hard to find. Yeah. Neo Geo Pocket Color. I didn't think had many RPGs at all. Well, you know, lots of you know, lots of really decent fighting games though for a handheld. Let me think. Uh, let me look it up. I know it's on one of those two. It's one of the more Neo obscure. Geo Pocket Color, Legendary Ogre Battle Gaiden. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's Neo Geo Pocket Yeah. It's basically the Prince Tristan side story during the Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen, and it plays and looks a lot like Ogre Battle March the the original. Wow. Okay. So that's officially five games. So why didn't they make any after uh, Ogre Battle '64 and Night of Lotus? I don't think they sold very well. No, that's a damn shame. I think they, they're really popular in Japan, or and, more popular. Um, I was going to say, and that does not mean much in Japan, because you could say the same thing about some of the uh, Mad or Metal Max games, and they are making sequels now. So it's a, it's a really good question. Why haven't they made more Ogre Battle games? Because these are games that are good enough to demand a following, even a small one, and that's often enough to get at least a small DS game put out. Yeah, we got the uh, PSP remake of the Tactics, but no Ogre Battle itself. I know Matsuno is working with Playdeck on that Kickstarter Square Enix did the, the port. Did they do the yeah. port on that? The and problem that, is... Because, it's connect, because it has the yeah. development connections to Final Fantasy Tactics, so they probably do it would sell. Yeah, the, uh, well, Square Enix has the rights to it, and Mitsuna doesn't work for Square Enix anymore. That's a big hurt. Maybe they, some of it's also that you're running into Square Enix has so much trouble making anything non-mobile these days. I don't, I don't think we'd want to try an Ogre Battle on mobile. Yes, or the 3DS. I mean, it's weird. It's not in character. Um, That's true. These are not. This is not a failure of a series. None of these games came out met with horrible reviews or or terrible sales everywhere, and everybody said eh, that was a, that, it. Should have ended there. So, a, a great question, and I don't have an answer. Yeah, is it? And just since the uh, the uh, the main developer guy doesn't work for the original company anymore, is it just like I know there there are some series that are dead just because the head creator died or he broke up with everyone else. I mean, I would love so much for a new Ogre Battle in this kind of format come out again. Like a, a more evolved, get rid of some of the things that didn't work, kind of update it. You know, it's such an epic, fun game the, to play. The 3DS would be a perfect platform. Yeah. Work. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, oh don't tease me like that, Mike. Don't do <laughs> it. I'm too old, Mike. You could, keep, you could, you, my heart could stop. Right, right, because you Ogre have Battle 3DS. Okay, which Queen song should we name it after? Uh, let's name it after. Oh gosh, Ogre Battle. We are the champions. No, we will rock you. There we go. Yeah. Or no, no being Rhapsody. Zenobi and Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah Zenobi and Rhapsody. There you go. Or don't stop me now. There we go. Actually, there are just too many good songs that we could use. Ogre Battle <laughs> under pressure. Another one bites the dust. Okay. Yeah. Want to break free? Okay. Sorry. Got anyway, it. guys, oh, it's one o'clock. Ogre battle. The show must go on. Oh, that—that's a perfect one. Anyway, it's one o'clock here. I need to get going if I'm going to get to work on time. So. Well, well, and thank you for being here, I've Mr. Baker. Got my knowledge of the second game in this podcast. I, yeah. I, I just, you know what? The the takeaway for me tonight, boys and girls, virtual console. Do it, do it now. <laughs> do it. 
Sorry, Bravely Default, you haven't put aside. Because not that I've ever tried to emulate this on a computer, because that's totally wrong, but I've read comments from other people that if you were ever to try to do that, you might be able to get it to work, but you're not going to get the background graphics, which kind of sucks. So Virtual oh. Console, just saying 10 bucks worth it worth it sounds like it's worth it now if you're a real man which i'm not but if you are what you're gonna want to do i do have i do have to remember something here podcast please what's that leave the bedroom details out of the podcast please (laughs) what i was gonna remember egm's review of this which spoke which began memorably since it's the only strategy rpg on the n64 that by default makes it the best strategy rpg on the n64 <laughs> but seriously it's good enough that even if there was some real competition on nintendo's machine it would stand out that was how it continued well yeah yeah that, that's 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 hmm that's kind of hard to argue with i suppose i'm trying to think of a way to argue with that i'm not seeing it so what I'm thinking, boys and girls, you're saying, Phil, I've I've rushed to I've rushed to eBay and I bought my copy of Ogre Battle. Now I've heard Ogre Battle 64 Person of Lordly Caliber is also super awesome, and I'm a man's man. What version of this should I get? Well, what you're going to do is go to eBay and you want the N64 Ogre Battle 64 Complete Mint Plus 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 that's listed here and and you can grab that for the very low price of 175 dollars and you know shipping shipping is thrown in no it's not too that's what a man would do okay because ogre battle 64 (laughs) is worth it all right so and you get shipping thrown in for free i know that doesn't sound very manly but you know that's what the seller's doing here and i don't know why he should really charge 25 dollars for shipping on something this wonderful so grab that today um other people who are not so manly will be grabbing on the virtual console for 10 or 15 bucks and i don't care how you get it you need to get it but if you're man's man you guys know where to go if you're really looking for a complete copy i wouldn't spend more than 90 to 100 <gasps> oh oh wait wait quick update boys and girls i you know i just got a i got a tweet in from somebody on twitter they must be listening to our podcast in real time even though i'm not really running it in real time anywhere um and they're saying <laughs> phil you know, I heard about your manly offer for Ogre Battle for 170 or $80, but I'm more manly than that. What do you have for me? You know what I just found? Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen Super Nintendo Complete Inbox. Now, remember we mentioned before that um, when I bought this as a, uh, um, as a young man, it had like this really cool fold-out um, thing that shows you all the classes and how you can evolve and the requirements and such. That last one I listed didn't have that, but guess what? I have found a beautiful, gorgeous, the box looks new, Everything is there, including that nice fold-out thing, including the um, the the offer to get the official battle, um, the official ogre battle, official players guide for only thirteen ninety five. Which I'm I'm sure that's totally still good. Uh, it's got the card in it to get the players guide, and, and all of this is for the low low, the manly low price of three ninety nine ninety five. I just heard some kids scream in the background. Yeah, everybody rushed out. Whistling, okay. Whistling. Maybe that was what I heard. But yeah, so if you're a manly man, uh, go and grab that now. It's up to three nine ninety five. And actually, this is an open auction. That's an actual bid that someone's put down. Um, it's up to seven offers so far, so it could go a little bit higher than that. So make sure you pull out your uh, platinum Mastercard for this one, boys and girls. Um, or have a lot of money in your PayPal account. But anyways, yeah. So you've got a number of ways of getting Ogre Battle, Ogre Battle 64. Um, be like Phil and and get it somehow. That That's our lesson for today. So who? which one of y'all said you had to run off? I do. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. 
I have to soon as well. We love you. Stringer, we don't care about you. Um, Baker, <laughs> you're awesome. We love you. Since Nathan left, it kind of passed on to you. Um, so, Man. yeah, you're the bomb. I was going to say, I, I wasn't the one carrying the conversation for most of this. You know what? I wouldn't know because I was too busy on my, my virtual console Wii over here. Exactly, I, I was about to put this thing on eBay, but no, 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 no. I'm going to wrap it. I'm going to, like, paint OgreBal64 on the side of it in acrylic paint. Because it has it has just become the Ogre Battle virtual console. It's no longer a Wii. It's it's almost <laughs> like you're welcoming the chance to play it on something other than an N64. But that couldn't be. You know, so here's the funny story, guys, about the N64. So reality is I used to own an N64, including Ogre Battle 64. Now you're saying, Phil, how could you have that and actually not beat it? Actually not play all the way through it. What happened? What happened is somewhere while I was still playing it, I got married and the, and, and, and we have a tiny apartment at the time. Shirley said, Phil, do you really need eight game consoles? You need to get rid of the weakest link. So, yeah, the Nintendo 64, even with Ogre Battle 64 helping it out, just kind of sucked. So, uh, yeah, but now that I've got a virtual console version, hell, screw this crap. Yeah, buddy, rock on. Woohoo! You know what? They got this. Well, you, have, you have fun with that, Phil. Okay? Yeah, they, signing out. Next they got this really. Good to have you, Mr. Baker. Thanks, Mike. They got this really cool dragon design on the front of the box. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find a way to get that painted or pressed onto my Wii somehow. I'm sure you can find a way to get a decal and stick it on there. Yeah. So while I'm doing that, which should take about 45 seconds, uh, I'm going to let you guys listen to some music, and we'll be right back with a blast from the recent past.
do our second try at the Blasma recent pass. I say second try because uh, there was a bit of a technical difficulty. Yeah, the computer decided to turn itself off, which usually means it's overheating. So now I've got like a fan blowing on it with the cover off. So hopefully that'll get us the rest of this podcast. I think the fan on my now what what we're crossing our fingers for is that the cats do not decide to wander by and let more of their hair into the innards. Right, because we're pretty sure after pulling it apart that uh, my graphics card got some cat hair stuck in the fan. Now the fan's not working anymore, which kind of sucks. Um, so might be time for a new graphics card at the very least. Running Windows XP. We'll talk more about that in the final lap. Anywho, um, our uh, our good friend Mr. Stringer had to leave as well. So now it's just Minky and I tag teaming this blast in the recent past. This is the part of the show. It, it, Mr. Stringer has the unfortunate task of attending to the child in his house. Darn child. Just happens sometimes. So, Blast from the Recent Past. <laughs> Blast from the Recent Past is where we talk about uh, games that came out about two years ago. So, uh, for those of you who ran out and the, bought them, or maybe you didn't buy it, you heard it came out, now is a good time to review. Is it worth it? Has it gone down in price? What's what's going on with it? So, we got three games to talk about. Uh, two, which Mr. Minky will be able to enlighten us upon. And the last one, I'm just going to take a crapshoot about, because I've only played it for an hour. Ha-ha. <laughs> That's the way we roll here in RPG Backtrack. If we play the game for an hour, we're experts on it. So, um, okay, maybe not. It's a little silly. Okay. Well, especially if it's something really, really old that was really short. You can play Sonic the Hedgehog for an hour, and there, you've played the whole game. You can talk about it. You're an expert. Go, Sonic. So we're going to kick this... Not not the the 2006 Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm talking the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Is that the one where he turns into a werewolf? Weird hedgehog? I I don't remember. Or is that the one where he dates the girl? That was a little creepy. Human princess. Human princess. A little creepy. Yeah. So I'll tell you what's not creepy, but maybe it is. Shin Megami Tensei Devil Survival 2, a role-playing game in the Megami Tensei series, developed by Atlas for the Nintendo DS, published by the same. This was released in North America on February 28th. 2012 for your Nintendo DS system and will, in all factuality, work in your Nintendo 3DS because it is backwards compatible. This is a single... Only with the DS games because... The 3DS no longer has that super, super useful slot to put GBA stuff into. I'm sad. You should be sad. This is a single-player tactical RPG. So, uh, Mike, I've got a cat. I've got a a really cute wooden, um, what's the word for it? It looks like a dresser, but it's much, much smaller. It fits on a shelf, and it's got three drawers in it, kind of like a jewelry dresser. But I've got... Oh, uh... A jewelry cabinet? Maybe. Kind of it's just kind of small. And one drawer is filled with just my DS games. And in there is Shimigami Tensei Devil Survivor 2. So you're going to tell me whether or not this needs to just sit in there for all eternity? Or does it have a place on my backlog? Well, I know you like tactical RPGs, Phil. And this happens to be one. Though I should mention, in the uh, visual aspect, you can kind of tell Atlas has been reusing the same images for a very long time. Get out. I've seen, thanks to Hardcore Gaming, which is an awesome site, uh, you can look at some screenshots from earlier Megami Tensei stuff, and if you look at, say, the original Shin Megami Tensei, which is made in 1992 now, it was using some of the same demon images that you will see in Devil Survivor 2. I hope that Atlas has been better about its 3D games and not so blatantly recycling its assets. But you know what? The assets are not this whole story here. Uh, the gameplay, I enjoyed, particularly in its beginning stages before the difficulty started to become really nasty. Uh, you got a human character. Your human character comes into battle with two demons acting alongside. It's kind of like archaic sealed heat, except it's done better. 
your human character and the two demon cohorts wander around it as one unit on the battlefield, and when they encounter other enemies, they lock it. They lock their horns for a round or two of fighting, and regardless of whether you have destroyed the enemy, the enemy has destroyed you, it will end after that. Somebody's got to reinitiate combat. You beat the crap out of each other. Uh, lots of standard strengths and weaknesses. You've got your your demon that looks like a pile of hair with some snakes sticking out of it. You've got your fairies, your pixies. You've got your incubus, your succubus. You've got lots and lots of demons. Take your pick. You can do demon fusion. That's pretty cool, actually. I like demon fusion. The battles are interesting. They do a pretty good job of, if you stick to the story battles, staying distinct, and you will feel challenged. And i got to give kudos to the story here, because... Uh, you start as some guy who actually has kind of a sappy expression, but he's a, he's a high school student, and suddenly uh, this particular part of Tokyo gets sucked into, I don't know, was a black hole, a rift, something like that. I don't remember. It doesn't matter, because you're, you're forced with your friends to start using this funky app on your cell phones that lets you summon demons. Man, nobody appears to have that app in real life, because I might actually get a smartphone if I could summon demons out of it. And until you you run along, you meet all these other people who are trying to deal with Japan in this separated, strange, nether region world, and eventually it's time to make your choice. Are you going to try and pursue the path of neutrality? Are you going to try and pursue the path of chaos or the path of law? And I gather this is standard course for your SMT stuff, and since this was, believe it or not, my first SMT game, I found it all new to me. Okay, 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 so here's which way did you go? I went neutral. Oh, you did not. And, oh, yeah, that's, that's a bad That's bad. No, you can't do ne- Everybody who plays the game No, you can't do neutral. You'll get your okay. ass kicked. Which I <laughs> most assuredly did. Uh, there, there's a guy who will join you if you go law, and if you don't go law, he will fight you, and he is a supreme asshole. God damn. He, he comes to you with some stupid, uh, inconsequential demons. You can wipe them out easily. But if you wipe out a few of them, he suddenly gets he suddenly moves faster. If you wipe out more of them, he suddenly moves even faster. He has better range than you do. He moves faster than you do. One of his demons has the ability to revive the other demons. This guy was such an unmitigated jerk that I actually had to go out and go gain about six, seven levels before I tried him again because he pounded me so hard. And it was still a nasty fight. And there is one flaw to the demon creation system, which is that it's tied to your char- your main character's level. You can't create any demons that are higher level than he is. So if you want to create some super high, I don't know, Loki or uh, Mercury or Hermes or whatever gods are hiding around in this system, you got to grind your character. Well, that's that's pretty there's much no, the way it's no always way been, yeah. Because, I mean, otherwise those demons would take you over because they're more powerful than you. Fair enough. And then comes the final battle on the neutral path, which I, since I went neutral, I don't know what it's like for law and chaos, but oh, it's so horrible here. The first phase is manageable. It's just uh, womp, whatever these these things are that are sprouting all over the field, and if you take too long, then they'll revive, so of course, that's no fun. And then phase two is you fight shadow images of your team, and then there's phase three, and there's no opportunity to replen- to uh, restock yourself between these phases. Phase three was just stupid. Uh, the boss will replenish all of the demons that you're killing alongside the sides, and it has a, a stupid attack that will just blast everything directly in front of it, and it will do that every other turn, and you cannot approach it except to go directly in front of it, where there is no safe path. It will blast you for everything it's... Uh, 
I hated that final fight. I, I freaking hated it. So aside from the difficulty being completely skewed in the wrong way, mm-hmm. I, did, I did like Devil Survivor 2. But having experienced all that it had to throw at me in the nastiest of ways near the conclusion, I cannot say, this is a great game. You need to play it. Yeah, yeah. Can kind of can kind of relate, as I've mentioned, with some of my struggles with Strange Journey and some of the the bosses there just love to hand you your rear end over and over and unless you happen to read an FAQ or something. Oh. Well, when I played the game, it had yet to be released in North America. So, of course, there were no FAQs. Oh, that'll do Maybe it. Maybe if I had known what I was doing, what I was in for, I would have chosen differently. But I figured, you know what? I don't want to be with the slob over here who's all about helping the weak and standing up for the people who can't stand up for themselves. And I don't want to help this guy who's all about enforcing every rule in the book and ignoring the fact that you, there are times when you should throw out the book and look what I got for it. Lucky me. That'll teach you. It will. I've learned my lesson. Pick a side. Pick a side. Don't try to be, don't try to be in the middle. Yeah, don't be lukewarm. Bad. Uh, and that's going for roughly about 20 bucks. Think that's worth it? You know, 20 bucks. Considering there are much worse games that go for higher prices, yeah, I'd say this is worth it. Mm. And if, if you're starting to experience the pain of the bosses are starting to get stronger at this point, then by that point, you've probably already experienced quite a lot of good stuff. Oh, and the music selection is pretty pretty lackluster, mostly because there's so few tracks in it, but you'll never notice that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I recommend it, but it's not a glowing, you need to play this right now kind of indication. Hmm, okay. Because the, the flaws I experienced were hard to overlook. Hmm, hmm. okay. So so you were, uh, what, how can you grind up experience in that game? Oh, you're a lo- you will see several free battle locations in each on each day it's organized by days and you can just go fight everything that you see there as much as you want ah. hmm alrighty well let's uh let's move on then to Tales of the Abyss for the 3DS this is the 3DS version that came out a couple <laughs> years ago uh this was uh developed by Namco Tales Studios published here in North America by Namco Bandai released on the Nintendo 3DS in North America on February 14th 2012 and according to the notes here a single and multiplayer I don't know if you get your 3DSs or something I'm not sure if that's just the the original version or not anyways I would I'd, I'd pretty much go for the single player on this guys um, RPG experience coming to you on a 3DS game card which incidentally will work on your 2DS it's really funny I got um I got uh, bravely default and uh, from Amazon it came in the mail yesterday Open it up, and the first thing you notice is a little sticker on the front that says, We'll also work on Nintendo 2DS. It will? Yeah, it's like, if you got a 2DS, I... Oh, oh yeah. no, 2DS. Yeah. Yeah, that thing. Nintendo just struggles so much with their names and stuff. The Wii U, the 2DS, the 3DS. People don't know whether they're coming or going with these things. And I heard that that was like a major reason why the Wii U is struggling, is people didn't even know that it, you know, that the majority of population didn't even know it was a successor to the, to the Wii. Just uh, just some of us nerds know that, you know, like it's hidden knowledge. So can you imagine how confusing it is when you try to explain to somebody that the 3DS came out first and then later on came on this 2DS? <laughs> it just never ends for these poor saps. And anyways, we digress. Um, so slightly. So I'm 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 a little a little birdie told me that you could tell me a little bit about this game. I played the whole thing and I reviewed it. Uh, 
was that already a year and a half ago? I think it was. So, yeah. so yes, I can tell you a little bit about it. I can tell you that the beginning when Luke is a spoiled, annoying character are difficult, and then he does a real 180 for the most part and becomes not an entirely likable character, but considerably more interesting. I can tell you that I enjoyed the combat system, although it might have been more impressive on a television screen as it originally was. I can tell you that this that I enjoyed the music greatly. I liked the skits for the most part. I really my my experience with this game was very positive for about 70 to 75% of its length. Then it does an excellent job of making you feel this is the conclusion. Here we are. We're fighting the final boss. And it feels that way. And then the game seems to end. And then it starts again. And you get to go through, hey, remember all those enemies you beat the crap out of not long ago and it seemed like they were all dead? Well, they're all back now. And you get to fight them all again. And remember the final boss? Well, he's back again. And he's in, he's, he is, of course, not the same. You have to fight him again now. Wait, wait, wait. You go through the, 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 the whole game and it makes you go through it again before giving you an ending? Is it that what you're saying? I'm saying that it feels like you've just ended. It, this feels like the climactic encounter. This feels like we've just done everything we could. And then what starts as, hey, this feels kind of like an epilogue. You know, the characters are back in town. They're yammering over. It's Hey, it's been a couple months since that time, remember? Boy, what have we been doing since then? And then the villains show up again. And, yeah, the, this segment, which is at least another 10 hours, just feels unnecessary, as if the game should have been condensed to better incorporate this without it feeling like such blatant, ha, 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 you thought that was the end? You're a sucker. Now you get to plow through all of this before we give you the real end. So it's too long. That's my major criticism. Uh, yeah, beyond that, if you can deal with the fact that it is easily 10 hours too long and you will know the point at which it starts to become too long, uh, it's quite solid. So there, there, I just came up with my major criticism, and while it's a big one, I still put up with it and persevered to the end. Mm, so what, is, what score did you give that one? Three and a half. Which is the same score as what you gave Devil Survivor 2. It's also the same score as what I gave Okami. What? That's your point. You gave Okami a 3.5? I did. Oh. And I stand by oh, it. Oh, blasphemy. I hated the camera in that Bl- game. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. Okay. If the camera is constantly pissing me off, then I'm not going to love the game. You know what? Everybody else loves that game, so you need to love it too. Now go back and give it a 5.0. No. Okay. I refuse. It's got a cute doggy, and it's got paintbrushes, and it's like Zelda. What in the hell else do you need, Mike? I need a camera that when I try to see things when I'm against a wall will not just act like a moron. Okay, you're not supposed to back up against the walls. They're not for backing up into. They're for decoration. Yeah, well, yeah, well, there are spots where I have to, thank you very much. And if you don't want me to back up in there, then Clover should have designed the game better. Oh, my there. gosh. Oh, and I also blame it for breaking one of my old controllers. <laughs> that, thumb, that analog stick was on the ropes for a while, but eventually I just... I was trying to build up speed in that uh, that freaking demon castle, which feels like near the end of the game it isn't actually quite, and uh, the analog stick gave out, so I had to wait about a week for the analog stick to arrive, because of course PS2 controllers are in short supply now. You have to get them mostly through the mail. And that did not increase my feelings of love for the game. Sorry. Mm. All right. It's really pretty, though. I, I gave you that easily. How did we get to talking about Okami? Oh yeah, I gave it three and a half. 
Hmm. Okay, let me come up with something else. I gave three and a half. Uh, 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 hmm. You know, you know. While I think about that, move. Why don't we talk? <laughs> we are moving on. Amalur. Amalur, right? Something, something, Amalur, something. So the last game here on our little list is Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, developed by Thirty Eight Studios and Big Huge Games. This was uh, released here in North America on February 7th, 2012. An action hack-and-slash RPG single-player experience. And this was um, this is for the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, and Microsoft Windows. So, Kingdom of, uh, Kingdoms of Amalar Reckoning, I can tell you from... Now, I play this a little bit because it's a free download on PlayStation Network. And I'm just going to put in a plug again for the PlayStation Network. If you got a PS3, pay $50 a month. You get two free games a month. It's like having a library card, except they tell you what games you're going to get. And... Um, uh, but they're usually so you, don't, you don't get to choose what you're going to check out the game. <laughs> yeah, no, they're going to give you instead. they're going to give you the two games. I guess you could refuse to check out the two games and you just won't get them. But um, see, that's like the library telling you, hey, you know what? Test the Dubervilles. You're going to get it at this one. What you don't want to read it? Too bad. This is one of the books you get this month. That's right. That'll teach you. But you know, I've been surprised that they've been some pretty good games. And one of them was was Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. And I was pretty surprised when they showed up because I had heard good things about it. But I never rushed out to get. I was kind of waiting for a big sale or something. And uh, lo and behold, free is a pretty good sale. Uh, or as part of my $50 subscription, it's not completely free. So um, it's uh, it was a new IP from Big Huge Games. And is that one of the ones that went out of business? You know, as part of the whole collapse of IP? Anyways, I don't. I think it is. I, I would have to look that up because I don't Might have to Google that when we're bored. Anyways, um, it's, it had names attached to it. Like, well, okay, okay, Big Huge Games was on Wiki. That That's a big telltale sign. Yeah. Oh, defunct May 2012. Yeah, so they came up with this really great game and then they got told to uh, skedaddle. Um, but uh, one of the big things about it when it was being developed and as such is um, Kurt Schilling gathered uh, a number of big names like Tim, Todd McFarlane, R.A. Uh, Salvatore, Ken Rolston to help him craft this world. So there's a lot of good influences um, in the game. And... Um, and it basically, in a way, it kind of feels like a single-player RPG. And I can't remember if they were going to make an RP, an MMO out of this, but it kind of feels like a single-player version of an, an MMO. Um, I think this was supposed to like be a lead-off for the eventual MMORPG that was eventually to come out, but it never did. But you assume the role of a character freshly, freshly raised from the dead via the Well of Souls, a first successor for this strange gnomish invention. Um, of course, you have no prior memories, as is often the case with a lot of these RPGs, and you're forced to escape the well before any explanation can be given. Um, so fate plays a big part in the setting, and everyone, every character you play has a path they're destined to follow. But um, but this newly resurrected warrior is a blank state with no predetermined fate. You're tossed to the world and tasked with finding out how you died and who is trying to re-kill you and how you can stop the evil forces from working in Amalar. All I can tell you is that for what little I play the game, it kind of, you know, that whole MMO mentality, especially in World of Warcraft, where I just stopped caring about the story, because it feels <laughs> like filler, started to kick in there. Um, it didn't take very long. The The gameplay fe- feels a lot more action-y, though, in World of Warcraft, so I don't want to stick to that analogy for too long. Um, 
It definitely feels like more like um, an action RPG, but unlike, let's say, Diablo, the camera's a lot closer to the character. You feel that it's it's more like Guild Wars 2, uh, where you're moving around a lot, attacking, making things happen in real time, instead of just waiting for some skills to cool down and, and dice to roll behind the background. Um, uh, so, uh, for the majority of the game, from what I understand... After reading, uh, by the way, you can read the full review at rpgamer.com. Mr. Michael Maxorm Cunningham um, has reviewed this game, and I'll tell, talk about his final opinions in a second, but that's where I'm drawing uh, some of my further inspiration from because my one or two hours of experience only took me so far. Uh, but he can, It's like most RPGs require more time than I, that. I, I don't get that. Extent. I don't get that. Like, I can play Pac-Man and spend an hour on it and completely know what's going on. Why do I need to spend... You're absolutely right, Phil. I remember playing Pitfall yeah. at... And I had that game down in ten minutes. I could tell you all about it even now. Not with not with going with the Atari twenty six hundred cast. That would be very light on RPGs. So, um, so Reckoning doesn't have a strong narrative focus or any really tough decisions to make. But the game's combat system is where you're going to make it up. It's fast, it's responsive, like Guild Wars two, as I mentioned, brutal. But most importantly, it's deep. You got. Um, dozens of available skills that can be equipped at any time. You can also equip two weapons, so start doing the combinations, and and it starts getting pretty staggering. All of which, all this stuff can be changed on on the fly. So you can mold your character to fit your play style, and if that style changes, like you just decide halfway through that being a mage sounds so much cooler than being a warrior, then so be it. Um, you'll be slaughtering hordes of enemies, and you'll be doing it with combos, because because you're gonna be just yeah combos uh as you're doing your melee attacks and your skills there's a combo counter so it's very action when i say it's an action rpg again this is not diablo where you're just kind of sitting there in a corner and firing off your spells or something like that the um but the options seem limitless so that's what keeps this game fresh as you're going through it as you're farting around with these things if you just stick with one build i i've heard some criticism from from some of my peers and i can tell you this game will get boring it really is in exploring the different things that you can do with your character so three different skill trees to pull from mage warrior and stealth nine different weapon types you can mix uh, and mixing like let's say mage spells with let's say stealth and daggers and massive hammers that's every bit as viable as going full-on warrior and plate mail so Wait, ma- massive hammers massive and stealth. massive hammers that's right stealth and, and stealth, and it works okay. and it just works because you can stab with them daggers then quickly whip out this big old two-handed war hammer that you had in your underwear so <laughs> that must have been uncomfortable yeah and that's not even including the fact that you're going to come across some really cool loot pieces in the diablo way of thinking um and you may come across a really cool weapon that just says hmm wow this is a really cool weapon it's not the style that i'm currently in let me switch it up and revolve what i'm doing around this weapon and see see what i can do um so a lot of cool things going on there. There's more you can you can read the full review to get some more meat on how the combat and and the characterization works. I didn't even get into destiny cards um, or the boss battles, which are really cool. Um, the game visuals are really nice, and uh, and for the most part, uh, it's just a really fun experience. If if you don't mind the fact that the story is in a, in the same vein of MMO is just something you just want to forget about, Mister Cunningham. <laughs> Mr. Cunningham gave this, uh, despite its lackluster story, he says uh, the the fantastic, robust robust combat system is a plus. Flexible, unrestrictive character development is awesome. Beautiful world and outstanding soundtrack. You got to see it. So despite the this this 
spread too thin story, the lack of tough choices, and the fact that your main character doesn't feel super awesome and the side quest seemed rather dull, he still gave this a 4 out of 5 because he just had so much fun with the positives that the story took a backseat. So you can read more about this at rbgamer.com. Uh, just Google, you know, Amalur, rpgamer.com. It's the fastest way to pull it up rather than trying to find it on our <laughs> site. Trust me on this. Um, and check it out for yourself. And it's pretty relatively cheap. I'm not even going to look up the price because it's it's been out for a oh, while on, now. let's see here. If you go right now, you'll probably get the same Sprint ad that I'm seeing, and it will try to pop up on you. <laughs> D- doesn't that strike you as a wonderful thing that you need to experience immediately? Yeah, just Google it, boys and girls. Um, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning is going for under $20 in just about every major outlet. Um, or if you're a PlayStation Network, boys and girls, hopefully you grabbed it when it was, I think it was the free game for January. If you didn't grab it, you can't go back and get get it nowadays. But uh, as long as you added it to your account, uh, when as long as your PlayStation Network work subscription is active you can download it and play it again and check it out for yourself so that's our blast from the recent past section hopefully we helped clear it up for you what games you want to go back and knock out in your backlog we're going to take another musical break and be right back to wrap this up with the final lap This is the final lap. This is part of the show where we just kind of wrap up our final thoughts, talk about what we're doing all week. It's kind of a kitchen sink. We just kind of rant hey, on here. <laughs> I, I came up with a 3.5 for you, Phil. Grandia 3. What? Grandia? Get off. Get off the show. Get off. That is an awesome freaking game. Off my show. It's my show now. Uh, go away. Go away. Bad you. Bad. Okay. Go- uh, final Fantasy 10. Oh, my God. Go stand in the corner for an hour. Go stand in the corner. Bad, Mike. Bad. Um, uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team. Okay. Oh, wait, we haven't played that. So you... Yeah, I played Mario and Luigi games before. I, I'd agree with you there. I, I just never super excited about those. You see, with Final Fantasy X, I can't still make heads. Or... I've had like five people explain to me the story of it. There's like a 20 page wiki entry just to try to explain the story of Ten and where Sin, what the whole Sin thing and the, and what happened to the main. Ca- I still don't understand, but I didn't care because it had Grid Sphere. And it had battle systems kick ass, and I think it's—I still think it's like the the epitome of, of Final Fantasy battle systems. After that, it got kind of wacky, and they got too experimental, and they never really found their place after that. It seemed like ten, ten was awesome. So three point five out. No, bad, bad Minky. But I have to judge it on everything. No, we that ignore the, the st- nine hours of cutscenes, Phil. We ignore that. The nine hours of cutscenes so, that you cannot skip. Did you give Xenosaga like a one because it has like 25 hours of cutscenes? I gave it a two and a half. Yeah, okay. 
Oh, jeez. Anyways, uh, let's see here. I guess we'll tell everybody what we're talking about next. Uh, our next RPG backtrack is number 113, Destiny of Wind. Um, something about Fallout levels. Really? Fallout 2 gets a whole show onto itself. Are we really going to talk about Fallout 2 for that long? Is it that awesome? I have heard that there are so many ways you can proceed in the game that it deserves it. And you know what? If not, then I will come up with a backup plan to paddling there you go paddling anyway so that's uh that might be a shorter show and that's okay um because this one's running um mostly also because we kind of had we kind of lost john last episode and um without him fallout 2 talk would have been very very sparse there you go so um that should be coming in a few weeks. We haven't got our last show posted yet. A couple of technical difficulties. That should be up really soon. Um, but as of the time of this recording, we've got no comments to read from the last show. The last comment I still have is from that awesome Wizardry 8 comment that I read. For the for the very few people that maybe are listening to this show and didn't last to listen to uh, Backtrack number 111, the one right before this one, uh, Von Beerly wrote that he just wanted to let me know that after 12 years he finally got around to beating Wizardry 8. It was a very fun experience. And I said, oh, seeing this post, great job, Von. I'm glad you enjoyed it. If I help one person decide to play and especially beat Wizardry 8, I've done my job. And I'm, I'm like so excited. I mean, oh my god, this has been the greatest two shows I have done. I mean, I mean last show it was finding out that somebody, you know, played and beat Wizardry 8 because of, uh, you know, I'm encouraging them to do the right thing. And then this show, finding out that Ogre Battle 64 is just one download away. I mean, holy creamy. I, this is this is why I do this, boys and girls. This is awesome. You know, it's great. I, I'm te- There's no need I'm te- to own an N64. Anymore. I'm tearing up over here in the corner of my eye. Was there was there ever a need to own an N64? No. Well, I mean, if you want to... I mean, seriously, Ocarina of Time and Ogre Battle 64 was the two main reasons, and they were not enough for me to hold on to it when I was kind of told that I needed to reduce a little bit. Um, if I say that I never played Super Mario 64, is that a horrible thing? No, and you know what? Even if you got a hankering to do it, I would tell you to go play the DS version because Mario 64 is on the DS, and I believe it has some um, some improvements to it. So go play that. And it's portable. And you can spin it any time by shutting the lid. What's not to like? Why have a Nintendo 64? Hopefully it works with the, the circle pad on 3DS because I gather you kind of need analog control for it. Uh, you know, I played it. I, I'm i sure it probably does. I don't remember how they handle like the camera controls. Well, I mean, the camera controls of 64 were for the most part pretty decent. I mean, that was one of the reasons why it was such a breakaway good game was because the camera was kind of intuitive the, and stuff. The camera on a, a, that early a 3D game? That will be impressive. That's why it was ranking such good scores. Well, I mean, aside from the good gameplay was the fact that that the camera, wherever you were at, they had a pretty good beat on where that camera needed to be. There's only a few instances where you'll be. There are some. There will be sometimes where you'll be like mother. But for the most part, it's it's a it's a pretty smooth experience, and it, it translates well on the the 3D or the the regular DS, I should say. If you played it today on your Nintendo 64, stretch on your HD TV. I would dare say, like, PlayStation 1 3D games, you're probably going to say, oh my gosh, these things are fuzzy. They have two polygons for his fist. But uh, on your DS, it just works out really, really well. Um, I enjoyed playing it on my DS. So, 
I would okay. I would recommend that version to, to anybody. And if you have a different opinion, by all means, go to rpgamer.com, click on our forums <laughs> on the left, and let us know what you think so we can laugh at you. Especially since no, we're just... not talking about an RPG. Yeah, especially since we're not talking about an RPG. Just so we can laugh at you. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're not that many. And in the future, I will get to do my Sega Genesis platformers that inspired me as a child show on the RPG backtrack of all things. Well, that's that's what the the final lap is for. We're sitting here yeah. talking about all kinds. Why not? You know? Anywho. Streets of Rage is awesome. <laughs> Streets of Rage is awesome. Uh, so, yeah. So, you got some cool shows to look forward to. Uh, definitely want to hang on. And then after that, I'm just excited about 114 because we're going to be talking about Discale 1, 2, and 3. All of which, for once, I've actually beaten every game on the main event. Holy mother of... I know. Okay. And they're not just... And, and Discale games are not games that you beat easily either. <laughs> You know, so they're not like 20 hour RPGs. They are full, beefy, 40 plus hour RPGs. In fact, speaking of, um, I'm still putting more time into scale four. I, I, I forget what my clock is up to now. I want to say 80 hours, say 70, something like that. Uh, but maybe not that much. But uh, I'm still going through item, item worlds, getting my characters geared up. I got through a few more levels in the, in the main story. And on the last world, as I mentioned on the last show, I'm on the last final, finally the last doohickey. And some of these boards are really weird. In fact, I might have to game fact this one that I'm on now where they've got, you've got four archers, which despite the fact that I've beefed up all my characters, the archers, because they're standing on 50% plus tiles, which means all their stats are buffed by 50%, they, one archer KO'd my main character, who is my kick-ass character, uh, the main character's story, I've made sure to buff him up the most, one shot took him out. Yay! And uh, and then there's a whole. That's the guy you want leading your army. Yeah, and heaven forbid uh, they knock him out one hit, they'll take anybody else in one hit. And there's a whole bunch of other guys pouring in from like um, a ledge that's like I don't know, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five tiles high. There's no way I can jump up that high. I'm not even sure how you get up to those dudes. But I'm just too worried right now about the archers. That uh, yeah. I mean, I get you get the characters get their turn first, but taking out all five archers before they get a turn start KOing your characters seems rather like an intimidating prospect. So I might have to to game fact that one. But anywho, hopefully I get through that. But that's to scale four. But to scale one, two, and three, totally beat. So I can't wait to talk about them. Uh, anywho, Mike, what what's up with you? What's what's going on, bud? Well, I beat a link between worlds a couple days ago. You'll be seeing another review for that go up pretty soon, and my stance is not far different from Adrian's, although I did not take any selfies. I don't know why the hell he felt the need to mention that in his review. Uh, really, this is just a love letter. If you love to link to the past, you'll pre- I can pretty much guarantee you'll love this. It's got almost the same world map. The structure is almost identical. The story is a little more fleshed out than what happened in Link to the Past, because let's face it, that was an early Super Nintendo action RPG. Naturally, there wouldn't be much story. Uh, I had a blast playing this whole thing. It It's great stuff, man. Uh, I also just recently finished Victim of Zen, which is an RPG Maker title that came to our very own Sam Marcello from the maker of it, who asked if somebody was willing to review it, and I took it on. And you'll see the review for that go up pretty soon. I hope that Sam Smolders the creator of this learns from the experience and goes on to do better games because the difficulty balance here is really, really wonky. The story, you know, because it's an RPG maker game, so we're hoping that it's a good story, is disjointed, I'd say. 
your main character, oh gosh, he was turned into a girl, and he wants to be turned back into a boy. That's his whole story, pretty much. He runs into some friends who help him along the way, but I don't know why. This guy really doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would inspire loyalty from people. And it was supposed to be a four to six hour game, and I ended up taking eight hours because, except for the guys you fight, the enemies you fight on the world map, uh, your random battles don't give you any money, and you really need good equipment. So here's how to do it in this game: there's a shop. At one side is a stack of wood. You pick up the wood with the the enter button or whatever, accept command you've got on your keyboard. You take it to the other side. You put it down with the enter button. Bam! You got five gold. Now do that over and over and over and over and over and over again until you're freaking sick of it. And then you probably still won't have enough money, so keep going. That's how I got most of my money in Victim of Zen. And I just downloaded One Piece Romance Dawn on my 3DS, and I haven't started really playing it yet because that was mere minutes before we started recording tonight. I hope to say good things about it because I am a devotee of One Piece, and... I'm hoping that it's turned into a good RPG, but I don't know yet. Really, when you've only started the beginning cut scene of the game, there's no way to tell how it's going to go. Um, so that that covers the games, and now shout out a couple of movies because that's what I freaking do. I watched the Burmese Harp, a 1956 Japanese movie about a unit that surrenders in Burma at the end of the war and tries to connect with one guy who they think everybody else in the unit thinks got killed trying to convince a recalcitrant unit that got destroyed by the British into surrendering. And you know what? I don't really see the whole appeal that it seems to have in the art crowd. Nor partially because the composer is the same guy who did the music for the original Godzilla and he freaking reuses parts of the same score and I know the original Godzilla's music so well that I noticed. And it took me out of the experience because I'm thinking instead of looking at the horrors of all these Japanese men dead in Burma. I'm thinking of Godzilla's march through Tokyo, which is completely the wrong thing to be bringing into this, but it's what I thought. And I love the films of Joseph Mankiewicz, so A Letter to Three Wives, partially because it's got Kirk Douglas, and there's no real way you can go wrong with Kirk Douglas, but it's a great movie. Uh, go see it. I, I can't really do it justice in a short pith, short pithy blurb, but... It's the kind of movie that probably wouldn't be made anymore because it, it's about three women, uh, each with individual lives. They think that a friend, an associate of theirs, has run off with one of their husbands, and really, they're just well-written characters, well-acted. Uh, it's a good, good movie. Go see it. I also say go see Dallas Buyers Club because it shows you that when Matthew McConaughey wants to, he can really act as the kind of guy who will be screwing multiple women simultaneously in the mid-80s and doing constant drugs, so the fact that he's got AIDS is no shock. But it's it's a really good performance. The man lost a lot of weight to do this. I don't think he weighs more than 130 pounds here, which is fitting because he's also supposed to be doing math, but it must have taken a toll on him. Uh, and one other... Um, you know what? Life with Father, which I saw mostly because William Powell is the father, and I love William Powell. For William Powell, see this movie. The, the man was a great actor. It's also got Irene Dunn, super young Elizabeth Taylor, 
uh, Edmund Gwynn. I love that guy. It's the kind of stuff that the whole family can watch and actually be entertained by, I think. And I don't want to say too much about it because then I'd take 10 minutes and talk about individual scenes. But it's good stuff. Okay, I'm done, Phil. Sounds like it's fun. Hmm. I, I, well, you know, I, I, I do like watching movies that I have fun with. Hmm. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's see here. Well, okay, so I got... Still, as I mentioned before, still working through Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey. Since the last show that we just recorded an hour ago, haven't got too much further uh, in that. But I, I did get past this point where it seems like you're forced to pick between order and chaos. And one thing that I've noticed in a lot of games, and there's a little bit of Phil commentary here, but I, I have to go out on a little bit of a ledge here. And and, and again, you can write your 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 flamed rage at askwheels at rpgamer.com. Anyway, so... <laughs> So uh, when you're playing these Shimigami Tensei games, you mentioned before about the the part where you had to pick order cash. You went neutral, right? I did. Yeah, that'll teach you. So <laughs> one thing, but one thing I've noticed is though is they is is that in the case like in, in Shimigami Tensei, we're allowed to, it's backtrack. So we're going to do spoilers, boys and girls. If you you're just dying to play Shimigami Tensei Stranger and you haven't yet, you might as well fast forward a few minutes. But okay, so you, it, I've gotten to a point in game where I've been mostly playing order. But, uh, yeah, so my, my character's name is in blue. If it was in white, that means he's neutral. If it's in red, it means he's chaos. Um, the chaos is the demons. And, and they seem kind of sort of, of evil and they're disregard for human life and the such. And then later on, you meet the angels and they seem, uh, or you meet at least one angel. And he seems kind of sneaky, manipulative. He's all the time talking about heaven and God. But he's also coming across in this way that he just feels slimy. So later on, you have to make a decision uh, between order and chaos as two of your crew members become basically the spokesperson. One actually becomes a half-demon, another one actually becomes an angel. And so they become the spokesperson for chaos and law, respectively, law and order. So uh, the, the, the chaos guy... He wants to kill this group of humans that have caused a lot of demons to suffer. So it's kind of a vengeance thing. And and the way that it plays out, when you, see, when you see all the demons and you free them because they've been held captive and they've been experimented on, you can kind of understand why they'd want some vengeance and want, would want to strike out against those those humans, maybe even kill them um, or whatever have you. Now, the, the lady on your team who becomes an angel, she's like, no, 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 don't kill them. Let me sing to them. And the angel song brings man unto the repentance unto the God and uh, and the such. And, and that way they won't die. Um, and she sung before earlier in the story. Basically, the men come tumbling out saying, oh, my gosh, we have sinned. Please forgive us. But but the way it happens, it feels so incredibly – it feels like she's basically mind-controlling them, right? She's singing, and suddenly they're spilling their guts about how sinful they are, and then they want to follow God. And suddenly they're basically saying, yes, we'll do whatever you say, angel, whatever your name is. So so it paints this picture that being uh, – you know, falling away of order is kind of really slime me and mind control and the such and and i can kind of understand so getting into a little bit of a a narrative not narrative but an editorial here i can understand the need that you know in past there's been a ton of churches and government oftentimes represents orders there's been a really lot of slimy churches and government so depicting the angels as some sort of mind controlling slime balls might be a commentary but you see this again and again in shimigami tensei games which i love them to death but 
but it, this 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 point that they keep hammering gets kind of old after a while because not not you know every attempt to have some sort of organization law you know is that is involves people completely trying to manipulate you and screw you over and stuff like that certainly feels that way sometimes especially just, with our government most but, of them. yeah just most of them. but it's like oh gee so it does make those decisions it, it does make those decisions hard but partly because it feels so forced it feels a little too obvious you know in my opinion so whatever no yeah <laughs> It's a little crazy. But yeah, so I kind of got through that. I stuck with the order side, even though it felt like the slimy side. Um, I saved the second save file there. You only get two save files in Strange Journey. So I've got one save file that I'll keep for the de- the great decision. But my understanding is when I finally get through this one little dungeon of decision making, I believe, Mike, that's where you get into the mega dungeon of death that everyone, you know has a heart attack about and yeah. and what's interesting is I, I know some of the criticisms i read from some of our our very own rp gamer reviews is that there's a lot of story going up to that dungeon then we get to that dungeon there's like no story and, and and so far the story and i'm like what are people complaining about because for the most part you get to these dungeons there's just a once you're in the dungeons um there's just a little bit of story here and there but i will say that as i've been going up the alphabet of dungeons because the first one starts with the letter a next one b c d and so far now up to g it does seem like there's been more and more and more story per dungeon you know so now you're kind of getting acclimated you're thinking wow this last dungeon is going to have a lot of story so i guess i'm about to get let down <laughs> so <laughs> thankfully game game uh, or i'm sorry rp gamers reviews have helped prep me so i've already set my mind that i don't care how long the dungeon is i'm going to get through it hopefully it's the big like you mentioned before um in shimigama games that the big bosses can be a real can be a real bummer and i've already mentioned before about some of the balancing issues with some of the b- big bosses i fought so far so i'm not looking forward to the big boss at the end of this because i'm just a little concerned that he's gonna piss me off <laughs> you know i think the odds are very high. very good right so uh, we'll see what happens with that but there's still some ways to go on that one on the 3ds uh, aside from working on my animal crossing uh, village and chopping down trees every day and getting my pears uh bravely default came in and uh, that's why I was all excited at the beginning of the show and saying Nathan's the awesomest because he showed me how to bring some more people in. So I have more people working on my little town there. But I'm very excited. And you see what that got you, Phil? Nathan was so good to you that Skype heard about it and decided to shut him down. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm excited that that's been um, – that that's here. And I've already started working on my little town, started going through some of the story. This is, this is what I kind of wish Final Fantasy 12 or 13 or whatever it was was. As far as, you know, you get some classic gameplay, you could use some better graphics, it's going to be on the PlayStation, but um, the opening cutscene was typical, you know, Square Enix, pretty graphics, um, cliche story, <laughs> yeah, type of stuff. Um, so, haven't got too far in that one yet, so. But the demo, as I mentioned before, I love the demo to death. Well, I'll say that the story gets better as it goes on. Oh, that's right, you have something yeah. to say about this, right? It's almost like you wrote a review for it or something. No, that could be. No, no. So no one should go to rpgamer.com to read Mike Mickey's full review of Bravely Default. Now, why would you do that? It's almost like you'd want to know something about the game. Yeah. Gosh. And remember, you know, one thing I've noticed, too, in reading reviews of, like, um, some of the other games that have recently come out, I'm just going to put a plug in for RP Gamer. I know we have the world's biggest, largest, most obnoxious pop-ups, but uh, I will tell you, boys and girls, you know, our reviewers, we play the games till the end. So, makes a difference. Oh, uh, I will say, if you want to get the good ending of Bravely Default, you're going to have to go through a, a little 
mash the X button mini game many times. Yay. So get used to it. Mash the X button. And you'll know it as, as soon as you get to your first crystal, Phil, because then you get to mash the X button to uh, recharge, repurify its tainted essence or whatever they call it. So you'll know it when you get there because Aerie will tell you, and that is a slight problem that every time Aerie will feel the need to tell you at certain points and interrupt your mashing of the X button so that you can't just do it in one go. You have to pause several times. But maybe that's just because I had to do it 20 times by the time the game was over. <laughs> no, that couldn't be it. Um, so, I really enjoyed that. Re- I, I enjoyed the demo, so now I've got the game, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy the game. Um, and I'm a little I'm a little torn because in my Game Boy Advance, I've still got Final Fantasy V in the Game Boy Advance slot. I just keep going to Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey because I'm, I'm on gung-ho to clear that out. But I've gotten, a, what, a couple of dozen hours into five, and I really need to beat that, too. So I'm like, should I be playing what essentially is a spiritual, kind of a spiritual successor to five before I've beaten, you know, five itself? I don't know what to tell you there, Phil. I know, right? So, uh, speak. I would say that the fun combat really doesn't wear out its welcome. So, speaking of demos, uh, Final Fantasy, I might have mentioned before, I think I, I did mention on the last podcast that the Final Fantasy 13 Lightning Returns demo had come out, and I put some a little bit of time into it. I put some more time into it, and I was a little disappointed, and... I know sometimes I can be a little critical, but I can kind of see reading our very own review by Adrian Denalden that my concerns are validated, that I'm not the only one who <laughs> thinks that this kind of came up a little short. And that's disappointing because I'm generally the guy that up until now, I have pre-ordered and pre-bought every Final Fantasy game. Um, well, not everyone. Um, <laughs> even thir- even 13 uh, too. Yeah, I even pre-ordered 13 too. Bad me. Why isn't this called 13-3? <laughs> Um, because that sounds even worse than thirteen two. I don't. Know. I guess so. It's lightning returns, and you kind of wish you went back. Um, is what I gather from this review. So go and check out. It's at, currently, it's at the top of the page. I don't know if it's going to still be up there by the time I get around to editing this podcast and stuff. But when you do listen to this, go check out Final Fantasy Thirteen Lightning's uh, Lightning review, Lightning Returns review by Adrian Denalden, Um because it is it is very interesting. Hopefully, you read that before you rush out and buy the game. One thing I'll put out there: Look, I'm a Final Fantasy fan, just like most people who are listening to this podcast. There's no doubt that eventually I'm going to get this game. But here's my point, boys and girls. For the longest, because I was a fanboy and because I've had you know some extra income here and there, I that was like that was like that was like my Super Mario. That was like the game that I would pre-order, get, play from day one, and just have a blast with type of thing. But yeah, unfortunately, Square Enix has kind of gotten worse over the years with their quality Final Fantasy games, and also the fact that the price just goes down really fast. Literally, I had pre-ordered Final Fantasy 13 2 but within three months it was 20 bucks. So, the combination of those two things kind of told me don't pre-order Lightning Returns. I was very tempted to. I was super tempted. Seriously, even up to the last week before release, I almost did it. But thankfully, I read some Japanese reviews and, and it talked me out of it. <laughs> so, um, it turns out the English version isn't much better. Um, 
<laughs> but but with that being said, eventually I will get it. To the shock of uh, all three people out there who are still capable of being shocked by Square Enix. Right, exactly. I mean, eventually I'll still go out and get it. It doesn't have to be the best game in the world for it to be in my collection. It is Final Fantasy, so... But wait for it to be in 20 it, bucks. Hell, it, it's a new console JRPG. Those are kind of scarce. Yeah, well, and the way it plays kind of an action-y game, when the battles are going, is kind of a mix of action and term and, and Final Fantasy you know and love, but they're, they're getting it more and more action and that as i mentioned before that kind of breaks my heart boys and girls if you're missing if you're jonesing like i am for a classic final fantasy experience get bravely default tell square enix with your dollars with your prime dollars that 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 you appreciate some of the old approach with the fresh you know and then the really nice thing about bravely default i don't know if you put this on your i haven't read your whole review yet but in playing the demo and playing a couple of hours so far i'll tell you one of the really cool things is that they're taking the old but they're mixing in some just a few new ideas in it. It's kind of like putting some spice on the chicken without going to an entirely new platter. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to play the same old Final Fantasy, you know, 4 or 6 again. Hey, that, that option to brave just makes random encounters a breeze. Isn't it something else? The really weak encounters you get through really quick the way you know nature intended. And there's an auto battle function, so you can just input the same op- options you used last time. Most of the time, if you can go brave with all four of your characters, you can flatten the random enemies. That's right. And and at the same time, you can also speed up the animation during while it's playing out, so you don't have to sit there for 35 seconds for every fight. I've talked before how I hate how slow some of these battles... I'm, I'm a... And Limited schedule. That, 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 that great ability to to change the encounter rate. Oh yeah, that's a and the difficulty. Yeah, I, I kept it on easy most of the time, but I changed the encounter rate because you know sometimes I just want to get through the dungeon real fast, or sometimes you know what it's grind time, getting everything you got, and you can change the encounter rate. That's I wish more people would rip that option off right now if they're going to use random battles because it's such a good thing. So here's here. I mean, this is this is this, here's my plea. And there's a sequel coming in Japan, so we want to encourage Square Enix to right. bring it over here. And that's my plea to you guys. You know, I would say before you sink your money into Final Fantasy Lightning Returns, take a look at Bravely Default and 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 tell. Remember, your dollars vote. If you want to vote for both, great. You want to vote for one or the other, great. But if you haven't made up your mind yet, read the reviews and consider our words today. And I would suggest that possibly you consider telling Square Enix with your dollars that we want experiences like Bravely Default. And whether that comes out on the 3DS, I've kind of given up the hope that we're ever going to get really nice, high-quality, traditional RPGs on the on the consoles ever again, um, outside of some indie efforts. Um, that's kind of my take on it. We've talked about that a little bit before. I personally don't care. I got a 3DS. Give it to me on the 3DS. Give it to me however you want, but give me more games like that and stay away from the whole, oh, we're going to make very high-end production value games that cost us lots of money to develop and and make them more action-y because that will be a bigger appeal. Nah, whatever. Anywho, so what else? Um think that's it. oh i've been playing borderlands 2 with a friend um on about every other sunday or so that's been really awesome i've badmouthed borderlands 1 before and um i kind of stand by that i still think i mean it's a good game don't get me wrong i just don't think it's the the mind-blowing experience everyone's been saying it is but um and getting into borderlands 2 i found that to be a better experience as most people did reading the reviews but uh, you know borderlands really does shine when you have somebody else to play it with and so you can get up to four people in there but just playing it with one other person 
person. It's been a little bit more fun sharing that experience with somebody else. Kind of a kind of a Diablo experience in the first person shooter type of deal works really well together. So we've been my friend and I've been having some fun with that. And some orcs must die and some StarCraft too for kicks and giggles. Hearthstone from Blizzard, since we like to talk about World of Warcraft every once in a while, uh, which I might dip back into with the expansion coming out. But as I t- typically do, I'll get into an expansion for three months. I'll be done with it. But Hearthstone, uh, the open beta came out so everyone can play Hearthstone card game. Um, I tried it. And you, if you listen to me for a while, you know I love card games. Uh, but my opinion on this one is... If you don't mind being stacked up against random strangers all the time, knock yourself out. The problem with Hearthstone is in order to earn more cards, you either got to put money into it or you got to earn coins. The way you earn coins is by playing in random matches against strangers. Uh, I'm sure it's probably using some sort of matchmaking mechanism like StarCraft does to try to get you with people of the same rank. The thing is, I general, my personal preference is I generally prefer to either play alone or to play with friends. I don't like playing with strangers. Strangers are jerks. In, in Hearthstone, they're not going to be too jerky to you. I don't even know if they can talk to you. But uh, it's just not my cup of tea. So I don't like being forced into that one way of playing. If you play single player or you play with your friends in Hearthstone, you do not earn coins period so you're not going to earn no no new cards you can have a little bit of a good time but you're not progressing so to speak so that's a little bit frustrating when you can play games like other games online that earn you at least some sort of progress when you're playing with your friends or you're playing their single player mode and other card games have more like magic the gathering planeswalker and such have more robust single player modes which they're not very deep but they're more they're deeper than this um so i was a little a little disappointed but i'm gonna keep it installed i'll go back to it every month or two play a few new rounds and i did play six games with strangers as i was learning the game and seeing how the coin system worked and earning coins and stuff um and i actually beat all six in a row go wizard the generic wizard cards work really great and a lot of them came down to the final round it was very exciting i have to say as far as the card game mechanics go it's pretty cool. I just hope that they, as they go from the beta to the final, I hope they add more options for single-player play, earning coins in single-player play, and uh, or at the very least earning coins for playing with your friends. But we'll see how that works out. Uh, and then World of Warcraft's coming out soon with their expansion and, and all the goodies that come out with that. So hopefully I'll, maybe I'll take a look at that. Um, but that's pretty much it, Mr. Mike. I keep pretty busy. Still playing Reign of Winter and Pathfinder. We are on the third book now for our pen and paper RPG. Super excited. Having a lot of fun with that, even if sometimes the players don't get along. That's always the the risk you take with pen and paper RPGs. I would have mentioned that I still plug away at Agarest, but, you know, looking here, I last played it a week ago. So let's let's leave it there. I will I will eventually finish this thing, which Steam tells me I have played 110 hours. And then you can look forward to one of the more scathing reviews on RP Gamer, <laughs> where I give it minor points for having a couple of good ideas, and then rip it apart on the execution of pretty much everything. Mm. So, so, it, so if you haven't been listening for the last, what is it, dozen or dozen so? Dozen or so, episodes, yeah, exactly. Agorist is See, it's a secret to everybody. <sighs> well, 
Well, so, well, I think that's about it for tonight. I can't really think of anything else. Um, hopefully you like what you hear here, boys and girls. Uh, hopefully you'll like us on iTunes. Give us five stars. If you feel like giving us two or three or four stars, well, four is good. If you feel like giving us two or three stars, um, don't. Uh, just uh, don't do it. And go leave a, yeah. So, four or five stars on iTunes. Uh, you can follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer, facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. That w- that's really, honestly, the best way to keep up with our new articles and stuff. I actually find that, personally, to be an easier way to keep up with our news than actually going to the website and stuff. So, the direct links to the articles really help. Um no no reason why um but anywho oh let's see here yeah there's a there's a yuppie ad right there and i'm sure if i scroll the mouse over it it will expand and tell me whatever yuppie is um so if you want to follow me personally i will plug my twitter account at twitter.com forward slash jc servant where um where i will tweet uh when we're doing new rpg backtracks talk a little bit about my gaming as well as some other things like my drawings and my theology studies that i'm doing you can always check that all out there as well as facebook.com forward slash jc servant anyways or, or the status of cat hair in your cat hair hard drive. we should have like that on twitter just a cat hair status update I'm sure there's a hashtag involving it. it there I is. Don't really care, though. There is. I don't use hashtags. Officially, RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So write your questions and comments on our forums over there at rpgamer.com. It's on the left hand side. It says forums. You can uh, alternatively, you can email them to to me here at JC Servant at rpgamer.com or Mr. Minky at Albert Odyssey at hotmail.com and that helps shape our future shows. We read your comments right here on the air. We answer your oh 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 right right we're supposed to answer your questions stuff on the air right Mike? Do we have questions that I don't know about? We're very good at this stuff aren't we? We're like I'm like reading the final credits and legalese I'm like oh wait a minute I did get I did get uh I did get an email this week. Um, woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. I guess actually it's a forum message uh, through RP Gamer and, and I tend not to see these sometimes boys and girls until like sometimes days or even weeks after the fact but uh, uh, Guy writes I'm looking to at acquiring some PC RPGs I was wondering if you could help me choose a game if you could choose would you which game would you rather play Neverwinter Nights 2 or Baldur's Gate 2 Minky's thinking really hard about that because he hasn't played either one. It's true. What, what do I, <laughs> I, I can come up with an analogy for you. Would you rather watch uh, The Bad Seed or Dr. Ehrlich's Magic Bullet? Oh, The Bad, bad Seed, definitely. Because that one's been riffed by Rift Tracks. Do it today. No, it, no, it hasn't. It should have been. Okay. It should have been. So, dead. anyway. Uh, so, my, uh, my answer to him, which I promised I would read on the air, is... Um, you know, both of them are really are, are pretty fun games in my opinion, especially if you're a fan of the older uh, D&D systems. So both of these were were Baldur's Gate 2, I want to say was 2.0 uh cuz it's still a negative armor classes and such. Neverwinter Nights was 3.5. So you do have two uh versions of the Dungeon Dragon systems going on there. But they're both I believe they're both BioWare. They're both uh fun RPGs. No, maybe they're not both BioWare. Ah, oh, don't quote me. I don't I don't know what I'm talking about as far as who makes them, but as far as actually experiencing them, 
Um, Baldur, uh, Neverwinter Nights 2 is the, the more technically advanced one. It is the prettier one. It's got your 3D graphics. Um, with the 3.5 rule set, you feel that you have more customization in your character and how you're making him or her. Um, but Baldur's Gate 2 has the better story and the better interaction between the characters. Especially if you play through the first one, Baldur's Gate 2 wraps up that story, um, that's that setting and such that's set up in the first one. So that's just an added bonus. But even if you haven't played the first one, you could always read a summary online. And and I believe at the beginning of the game, they kind of give you some hints and some overview of what went on in that first game as well. Uh, Ultimately, Baldur Gate 2 has the much better story interaction between the characters. And as far as a role-playing experience, it's better. As far as the combat and and the such, um, I found uh, two... I mean, Baldur's Gate 2 to also be a, a slightly more fun experience for myself anyways. But um, that's the answer. That's my answer. And if you guys have different answers for uh, Go to Guy, again, forums. Yay, forums. Or you can email me and I will read your comments on the air. Even if they say, Phil, you're wrong. I'll just make fun of you as I read them. Freaking... I tried to get Evo search for Eden years ago and I always got out bid on eBay and now it's just kept going up. The, this freaking thing is insane in price now. And this is why, boys and girls, our podcast go on so long, because we just refuse to focus on this show. Ah! <laughs> Eddie! What, what am I supposed to say about Baldur's Gate 2 or Neverwinter Nights 2? I, I have no personal experience. I cannot comment. Um, what, what am I supposed to say? Do what Phil does. Do, do yeah, something. Actually, actually, there we go. There, there you go. Do what Phil does. Do, do what Phil does. Um... Anywho, I guess I should read the rest of this legalese. So, yeah. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, the RPG Cast, all at rpgamer.com. Thank you so much for listening. Mr. Mike, it's finally time to put us to bed. Uh, well, after I tried to derail us and kind of did with that little Evo the Search for Eden, is you're, you're not going to find it for under 150 bucks. Uh, what am I supposed to say? Ogre Battle. Ogre Battle. Uh, oh my god. Yeah. yeah, forget about you, Mike. I get the final word tonight. <laughs> Boys and okay. girls, okay? Whatever you do, go out and get Ogre Battle. If you don't have a Wii, go out and buy a Wii so you can play Ogre Battle and just just like like find a screenshot of the box art and just paste, you know, print it out and tape it to the side of your Wii. When your mom asks you what's that, you just say it's an Ogre Battle video arcade. And that's all it is, okay? Just whatever you have to do to get Ogre Battle, do it. It's awesome. It kicks butt. And I don't care what those guys earlier said. It's for everybody. Uh, it, uh, all the smart people. Let's put it that way. It's for all the smart people. Yeah. Well, now that we've established that all the smart people should get Ogre Battle, uh, aren't you a smart person, listener? Yeah. Yes, you are. are you? you know you're smart. You are. Prove it. You listen to the RPG Backtrack. You're smart. Prove it. But prove it. Right. Yeah, in fact, what I want you guys to do, well, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Check this out. When you, if you got an ogre battle, any way, shape, or form, find a way to send me a picture. Whether it's a picture of this, you know, of it on your television or the box you got, send me pictures. Tweet, tweet them to me. Email them to me, jcservantrpgamer.com. And, 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 and tell you what, the best one's going to win something. It's going to win something. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. Might be ogre battle related. Might not. But do it. Do it now. 